Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 what do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. And, and they all die. They all eventually <laughs> die. They, they, they don't understand. You know, they think it's easy. They think it's easy. Uh, the problem is they're just not interesting people, any of them. So, it, you know, they're not telling spreader bar stories. And that, Hell you know, no, they're not. Rich Frage. And you'd start these arguments and be like, ah, that guy's an asshole. Screw him or whatever. And I'm like, well, I got to go see him in like two days. <laughs> like you're out there in Texas all alone, like starting all these fights. I got to meet all these people. I got to be at these shows. I have to do stuff. You're like, ah, whatever. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Easy for you to say. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Ah, not too bad. How you doing? Getting by, right? How do we not know how to start these things for 11 <laughs> years? I have talked to you every week for 11 years. And, I've, and, and we talked before these two. We, we talked before. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I've never been really good at that. The, the beginning of a hello. Hi, how are you? It's like, I don't really. Do you honestly care how I'm doing? You don't. I mean, not really. <laughs> That's I, it's fine. Yeah, and I, I don't really care how you're doing either. So, I mean, I know you're fine. I mean, I think a, I would tell you if I was. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's it's such an unnecessary question because you would know. Like, we get on the call and I'd be like, "Hey, Joe, you know what? I'm not. I'm just. Like, I probably. I yeah. You know what? I just repress those feelings deep in my brain and my body and just do this damn show. Probably anyway. So okay. Hi. How's it going? What on earth was that? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I would confide in you if I something was indeed wrong or if I would just push ahead through the show, you know. I think it would depend what it was. If I, it was yeah, some, right, right, right. I think it was if it was some deeply personal issue, you're not going to do that. Um, but if you had like a head cold and wanted to take the night off, I'm sure you nah, would. Never. I mean, well, you get the idea. I don't think I've ever uh, have I ever taken a sick. I, I've I've done podcasts being very sick, but I don't th- I don't know if I've ever fully. I'm trying to remember now. I mean, at least not in the last like. I mean, now that we do these things live too, like I just cannot. You know what I mean? Like the whole if I'm sick like a day, I'm just thinking, man, I got I have to be ready to go, man. I can't I can't miss this. I'm sure back in the day when we were just like we would text each other and be like, hey, you want to do the show on I don't know Tuesday? And you're like, ah, sure. I'm sure there was one of those days where I was like, hey, let's do Wednesday. I don't feel good, but yeah, in, in the in our regular scheduled, especially live, I don't, I don't think I've been too sick for an episode. And I think you've been pretty good, too, despite many ailments along the way, including uh, I think there was maybe one where you were just too. Oh, no, there was the one where I told you you can't do the show. You have to stop doing the show. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think you've been pretty, uh, pretty good as well. A lot of vacations for no, you. I but had, that's all right. 
I had the I had the thing where I didn't have my voice. Because didn't you do a Thursday reviews? And I was like, Joe, no, <laughs> you're you're done. You're out. It's not happening. No, I I couldn't do the Thursday review. I had to write it. Um, because I, the doctor told me not to talk for a week, and then the other time you told me not to do the show was when my dog died. I I was gonna do the show. You told me no, you're not doing the show. And those are the only two that I can think of where I didn't do the show. I don't know. It's not breaking rocks. I mean, <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, that's that's what I always think about. It's like. I'm never too sick to just come on here and shoot the shit. I mean, if if anything, I would say like, hey, we, we can we do like an hour and a half? And even then, anytime I say, hey, can we do two hours? <laughs> it's never the case. How many how many times have I said, hey, uh, Joe, you think we can, uh, you know, try to target like two hours, two and a half? And it's it's three ten, and we're still chatting about some bullshit, you know. So, so yeah, it, that would be the only thing that I would say. But yeah, it's it's you get on here, get some tea, get some uh, get some water. I, I'll I'll deal with it. I'll be all right. You haven't you haven't tried the let's keep it to two hours it's been a while in a long time it's been a long time i think you realize that that the first few times i was like all right let's we'll see and then it, it's always three and then eventually when you would the last couple times you said that i just flat out laughed at you like i just laughed and i was like who are you kidding i was like i'll follow the leader go for it buddy and it's it's not gonna be two hours no matter what and now you just don't even bother anymore. <laughs> just, just go three. Just do three every time. It's fine. Yeah. You just accept that, you know. Um, why are they saying in the chat that my gimmick of never getting sick is a wrap? I have I, I don't get sick. That was a voice ailment with, with the vocal cords. A torgid, I, I found the, the medical term for it, but I forget what it was. A torgid, la- I forget torgid what larynx or something, yeah, something like, that. like that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was not sickness. It was not sickness. I was not ill. I wasn't ill. I just, I, I could not speak effectively. And it went away like the guy said it would. If I chilled out for a week, which I did. You know, it was kind of cool being under doctor's orders not to speak. Because you can get out of a lot of things that way too. <laughs> Just pointing all over the house you know? and telling you do this, you do that. Yeah, that's that's not a bad gimmick. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, I no, I still have never had the flu. That's right, chat. I've never had the flu. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whoops! Right on, right on. Cue. You do cough. I mean, that that's never been a that's never been debated. I, I listen. I do get those Dave Meltzer three month long coughing fits at times. I don't know what that's about, um, but never diagnosed with the flu. And, uh, you know, I'm not even going to do the knock on wood gimmick. I know I'm impenetrable to the flu, so I'm not even worried about it. Anyway, so that's uh, that's yeah. Joe never had the flu, has maybe been sick a couple times in his life, but not often, never on the show. Uh, and, and yeah, no, no flu. And, uh, yeah, we're here and we're not breaking rocks here. We're just talking wrestling and a bunch of other bullshit. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk a lot 
of wrestling. Uh, not all of it great, and it's a lot of weird stuff that we're going to touch on, but uh, uh, it should be a little fun show talking about a bunch of different stuff. We're going to get into NXT's Vengeance Day premium live event on Peacock. Uh, Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller, Steel Cage main event. Oh, man. All the stars were out for NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, the uh, two New Beginning shows, uh, New Japan's New Beginning in Sapporo, uh, night one and night two. Uh, and then we'll preview this weekend's New Beginning in Osaka show. Uh, I want to touch briefly on the New Japan Battle in the Valley. That show isn't until next week, uh, but it is a very, very fun card. And I think a lot of people need to be aware of, of because I... I I too was like not quite aware of just how stacked this card is, but it looks like a really, really good card. So I just want to touch on it a little bit this week and we'll do a, a probably a bigger preview of it uh, next week. And then of course we can't skip. I, Joe, there is a national wrestling Alliance pay-per-view this weekend and we are a national wrestling Alliance podcast. So of course we are going to preview NWA's, Nuff said and Joe of course I knew that Nuff said was this weekend and it wasn't prompted by people asking us in discord yeah you guys are going to preview Nuff said right and I said yeah of course we're going to preview NWA Nuff said which is very clearly this weekend on fight voices of wrestling.com says fight of course I knew that uh, I know you know that because you're a frequent NWA watcher I, I, I I've I've I'm now just a pay-per-view watcher, but I guess we'll, we'll discuss how that might change moving forward because uh, the access to NWA uh, has certainly changed. But yeah, we're going to preview NWA, enough said. There's four pre-show matches. There's nine matches on the main show. We're going to cover them all in extensive detail, uh, each and every one. Uh, before we do that, though, do we did want to touch on a little bit of uh, reading uh, recent ratings uh, for all the major wrestling shows. I thought it was a very interesting week ratings-wise. Uh, for Raw, for SmackDown, Impact, New Japan, the debut of MLW on Reels. So there's a lot of different ways we can go here. Where do you want to start with the ratings discussion analysis uh, for for everything that happened in the last week, inc- including Dynamite, which we knew we now do have the ratings for? I want to start with MLW, the new underground show, because we talked a little bit about it last week. It came in at 79,000 viewers and a .03 in the 18 to 49, which uh, to me, I think that's a disappointment. We talked last week, and you had dug up reels. I think, what, they're the 37th or something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. They were definitely top 40. I, I want to say low. Uh, yeah, I think they were 30, 40, 37, yeah. 38, somewhere in that range. But, I mean, but, but better than you might think reels is. Okay, so I've got for the last... Uh, four weeks, what they've averaged in prime time. This going back to January 8th, the week of January 8th, uh, 334,000 viewers, 335, 320, and 350. And then this past week that ended on February 5th, 317. So that's about the last five weeks or so. Reels generally comes in somewhere between uh, 320 and 350, uh, 320,000 to 350,000 average viewers in prime time. So I think people were a little confused last week because we were talking about reels in terms of average prime time viewers, but they only have, and comparing that to Access TV, because I thought that this show should outperform Impact and New Japan just based on the fact that reels has so many more. Uh, viewers in prime time for comparison purposes, Axis averages 41,000 viewers in prime time. I mean, nobody's watching Axis. So, 
you know, Reels most weeks is doing eight times as many viewers in prime time as Access TV is. So that's a significant difference. But I think people were a little confused because when you look at total number of homes available, Reels is only in 2.9 million more homes than Access TV. They're very similar in that regard in terms of total homes. But Reels is exposed to more people because they have more hit shows. And there's eight times as many people watching Reels as, as, as is watching Access. So to me, for the MLW show to come in basically in the same neighborhood that Impact and New Japan come in, in terms of total viewers, and maybe slightly higher in the demo number, has got to be a disappointment because the power of the network they're on is much stronger. Even though, to be fair, MLW is not in prime time. The MLW show is 10 o'clock Eastern. But that's a direct comp to New Japan. New Japan airs 10 o'clock Eastern on Thursdays. MLW airs 10 o'clock Eastern on reels. And, you know, 79,000 and a point zero three. I mean, that's right in line with with what New Japan on Axis has been doing. And in fact, New Japan on Axis, you know, beat that pretty handily during those two weeks where they were airing the Wrestle Kingdom main events. So to me, and, and you also have to remember, too, it's the premiere, which means it stands to go down. I mean, you know, more than likely, it's going to settle lower than the 79,000 viewers that they did on Tuesday. So, um you know, you're talking about a show that is doing well below the average prime time, the, the, the prime time average on the network it's on. And to me, I thought a six figure viewership to me was the baseline of what they should have expected, because that would even put them, you know, 250,000 viewers below the prime time average on the network. So. Um, I didn't think it was a good number. What did you think? No, I thought it was pretty disastrous as well. And that, now we should note that it was up against the State of the Union uh, address. But that, I mean, by 10 Eastern, I think that was, I don't, I, I wasn't watching that. Obviously, I was watching uh, LeBron and uh, the Lakers. And I was going to say that was another thing, too, is LeBron chasing, you know, uh, sports immortality was also at the exact same time uh, as this. So that that was a kind of a tough week to debut. Uh, for for MLW, you know, up against LeBron, up against, I believe, some parts still of the State of the Union. So not really a great time to debut, but still with that said, that number, you can't see, you, you just can't see that as anything but a tremendous disappointment. Because, again, like with the, all the things that we laid out last week, that the advantages that MLW Underground had being on a station that, that just has more eyeballs. More people are usually watching reels than are watching Access. Nobody watch a- Access. People watch Access to watch Impact and watch New Japan, and that's about it. The, the other programs in Access, out of sight, out of mind. You don't even know what they are. You're, you're, you're listening to this right now thinking, man, what else is on Access? Yeah, you don't know because you don't ever watch Access because nobody watches tell you, Access. Yeah, it's, here, the number, here, let me, let me, let me yeah, tell you yeah. real quick. The number one show on Access is Impact Wrestling. Right. The number two show on Access is New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> right, so that's all you're watching it for. The number three show on Axis is something called Wahlburgers. I, I I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like a it, so that that's a and they're and they're getting. I mean that I guess it's in syndication now. That is the uh, the the Wahlberg family. They open up they opened up a chain of burger restaurants, and that is a reality show about their chain of burger restaurants. But they must be getting. I didn't even know they were on that station because that's on a bunch of other stations as well. So they're getting like third rate syndicated Wahlbergs. 
and that's the third and that that's the third most viewed show on access (laughs) to me that's brutal and 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 new japan smokes it for what it's worth so and and like i said um the up-to-date average primetime viewership on access this past week was forty-one thousand viewers but that's a high watermark over the last six months so i i gave them more credit for example for the week ending January 29th, the average primetime viewership on Access TV was 29,000 viewers. Okay. Over the last year, they've bottomed out. Their low point over the last year is 21,000 viewers. And their high point is 47,000 viewers. I mean, nobody is watching. If, if it's not Impact or New Japan, people just aren't watching Access TV. So, even though they only have 2.9, there's only a 2.9 million uh, difference in homes in penetration. Okay. It's not even close in terms of um, how many, how many people are actually watching these two networks and to take it a step further, MLW is coming from BN. BN rich averages 5,000 viewers in prime time. <laughs> yeah. More people <laughs> will listen, listen to this podcast. <laughs> To this podcast, then watch the vast majority of the of the uh, programming on BN, and and that is the worst humble brag of, of all time. <laughs> right, I mean, take that BN. So, <laughs> We're gonna add that know, to our motto: more popular than BN sports. Or, I mean that that network seriously has no reason to exist if it wasn't for the occasional soccer match that I think people watch on there, and even those are probably extremely low numbers. But relatively speaking, it's huge for them. And if you want to throw in BN Espanol, they average 2,000 viewers in prime time. So even if you combine BN and BN Espanol, BN is averaging less than 10,000 viewers in prime time. So this is why we talked last week how MLW moving to a network that's averaging, that sometimes hits an average of 400,000 viewers um, in prime time is a huge huge this is the best exposure that they've ever right had. right and and put a lot of marketing muscle behind it as well because i mean i got tons of emails we got screeners we had uh their, their press people all you know hitting us up and i'm sure hitting everybody else up because then i saw the day of a lot of news articles out there okay mlw underground debuting and and we're gonna be live tweeting mlw underground and we're gonna be doing a live report and and like they got that muscle behind them and for this number to be the result of all that like you said it's the debut they're probably not going to, I mean, it, it, it stands to reason that the next week is not going to have the same muscle behind it. It's not going to have the same velocity and veracity of, 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 of press and, 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 and all that sort of stuff that, that comes with a debut on a new network. So yeah, looking at that number, it's like, oh, this is what we thought might be a thing might not be a thing at all. They, they might just be completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things again. And it's MLW and, and, and people are probably laughing and saying, well, yeah, yeah, they are. But, but like we laid out last week, there was an opportunity here. There's a potential for this to be a bigger deal than a lot of people probably realize. Not a huge deal, not competitive on, on the level of an AEW or whatever, but a, a big enough deal that, yeah, you know, it, it's just... <sighs> It it does. It's 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 rough. It's it's a rough rough number. And I, I if I'm MLW, I definitely look at that and go, "Ooh boy, that's that's not great." Now, you did make a good point. Okay, the state of the union, which it looks like decimated NXT because NXT did five hundred sixty two thousand viewers and a point one one. Those were, um, you know, that NXT's eighteen to forty nine was down almost twenty percent. 
uh, week over week, and it was their lowest total viewership in, uh, in in quite some time. So you would have to think the State of the Union did a number on NXT. The State of the Union did run over 10 o'clock by about 20 minutes. So okay. that could have affected MLW. And the LeBron game started at 10. Started at 10, The LeBron yeah. game started. The LeBron game went head-to-head with MLW. So – and that did 3 million – that did a big number for a regular season NBA game on a Tuesday night. So – those are factors that you have to consider, but I still consider the MLW number to be disappointing, especially if it if it moves downward from here. But we'll see. Maybe the basketball game in the State of the Union did more of a number on it than we're than we're even acknowledging, and maybe they'll turn around next week and do a hundred thousand viewers or something. I I mean I don't see it. Now, did you watch the show? Uh, I did not. I did not get to it yet. I was hoping to get to it before the show, but I had to catch up on a few other things. So, yeah, I know you watched it. You covered it uh, over at flagshippatreon.com in your re- review roulette. Uh, but without giving away too much of the content that you put there, what, what did you think of the show? I heard very mixed things from the, the few people that I do know that did check it out. Um, I thought it was structured in a very interesting way. The show opened with a uh, real one, which, of course, is Enzo. Uh, in a promo, he he interrupted a Jacob Fatu promo, and then he had an impromptu match against Mance Warner, which went about five seconds because Mance Warner just knocked him out with one punch. But it was really just an angle to set up next week's main event, which is Mance Warner versus Enzo in a street fight. I thought it was smart to open up the show with Enzo because he's a recognizable star that whether people like him or not, he popped quarter hours in the biggest company in the world. I mean, he was a legitimate quarter hour ratings draw in WWE. You know, they built 205 Live around him, and they would frequently put him on the third hour of Raw because that tricky third hour where it's hard to draw, he would hold up numbers and do pretty well. I mean, for all the negative things you could say about Enzo, and there's a lot of them, the guy has charisma. And he's been a star and he'd still be in that company if he didn't have his run in with whatever happened there, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to relitigate that situation with the, uh, with the sexual assault and not informing the company and all that. That's a show for another day, but he'd still be there because they believed in him and they, they pushed him. So I thought it was a good move by MLW to put him out there, right. You know, the first quarter hour, for you know, people who have never seen MLW before, the idea is, oh, Enzo's here. I, you know, this guy, I remember him. And then they main evented with the biggest possible match they can make in the company, which is Hammerstone, who's their dominant champion and their ace, against uh, against the judge in Duca because that guy's undefeated, and he has subsequently left the company since that taping took place. And he's already, you know, AEW already has their claws in him because he worked a dark already. And they're probably, they'd be foolish not to sign him. I don't know why WWE ever cut that guy. He looks like a million bucks. I remember when he got cut, we did the same. We, we did that segment where we were going through. And, and I think he, the, the break of him, I think him getting cut was breaking as we were discussing. And I remember just being like, what? Like, how do you look at that guy and say, yeah, no, we got nothing for that guy. Let, let, let's cut him. Like, I, he, it boggled my mind when they cut him. Boggled my mind. And yeah, I, I think any company, AEW especially, should and they have apparently called that guy as quickly as possible to get him in. And, and, and whether it's a tryout or whatever, that's a guy you want to at least kick the tires on because 
there's just a lot of potential there. A lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, MLW wasted no time scooping him up when WWE cut him, and they immediately pushed him. He came into this match with Hammerstone undefeated and, you know, one half of the tag champs, which he already dropped the tag titles in a match that hasn't aired yet. You know, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Um, and I believe that's the last match they have of him on tape. So that'll air one of these weeks, and then he's done. He's gone. Um, but that was the biggest match MLW could make because it was their dominant ace world champion and the guy that they've been giving a sustained year-long undefeated put undefeated streak push to. So I really think in terms of the way they structured the show, they put their best foot forward in terms of what to give a potential new viewer. Um, the problem is, you know, there, there's not a ton more there, you know, um, for them. And, and um, you know, I, look, Hammerstone is a guy who I think they identified when they signed him in 2018 or whatever it was that they immediately identified as here's a guy with a ton of upside who we can mold and make our own. And I think they've done a great job over the last four or five years pushing him. It's been steady. It's been patient. It's been deliberate. It's been organic. And he really does. When you watch MLW Hammerstone feels like a big deal yeah. within the context of what MLW is. I don't want to overstate it. He's not Dwayne, the rock Johnson, but within the context of a, of MLW, he feels like a big deal and he feels like an ace. Why? And he looks, and he looks, the, he looks the part too. He looks great. And why? Because he wins. They've put him in feuds with LA park, Tom Lawler, uh, Richard Holiday, now Enduka. Um, previous to that, you know, wh- whoever were the biggest stars in the company beat Fatu. Fatu. Beat, yeah, beat Fatu and, and broke Fatu's big. I mean, MLW's done uh, for all the the you know, laughing about MLW, they've done a great job of the top top guys in their company don't lose. They win all their matches. <laughs> it's a very novel concept, I know, for a lot of people. They win all their matches, and then when two people that win all their matches face one another, the one guy wins and he comes out like you know looking better because he beat the guy that also never loses. And then the uh, Hammerstone continued to not lose, and now he's facing you know the judge, like you said. And, and and he didn't lose. Now, Hammerstone beat him. So it's just they've done a good job of their top, top end guys. And yeah, the Hammerstone stuff was done very organically. And again, it's just a pro wrestling one on one build of just here's a guy who looks like a million bucks and wins all of his matches. It's it's not hard. It's pretty easy to do. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Mads Kruger, he won that feud. They pushed Mads Kruger to the moon. And then who beat him in the end? Hammerstone. So, you know, they they do a good job pushing their top guys. Okay. Um, so, you know, that felt like the biggest match they could make. And to come in with 79,000 viewers, you know, you want to use the basketball game or the State of the Union as an excuse. Okay, well, I mean, we'll see next week when they've got Enzo and Mance Warner, who were, t- you know, Enzo might be their biggest star in reality. Um, and and Mance Warner isn't that far down the list. I mean, you know, he's not as big as Enzo. He's not as big as Hammerstone. Um, you know, he's probably blow maybe a couple other guys on the roster, but they really are attempting to put their best foot forward here in, in the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, but now we are told in the chat that that uh, according to Dave Meltzer, AEW did in fact offer EJ and Duca a contract, which is a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, you don't let that guy leave the building without at least offering him a deal, you know, on, on look alone. Now. He's only had about 25 matches in his his entire life. I mean, he only had a handful of matches in WWE and he's been with MLW and he works every taping and he doesn't look like he's lost, but he's very clearly a little green. 
and he definitely needs the reps bell to bell. But and he's already 34 because he had a whole ass football career and bodybuilding career, I think, before he ever got into wrestling. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a Jade situation where somebody's starting a little later in life and they're kind of right, behind right. the eight ball from that standpoint. But, you know, he's he's got a great athletic background. And you see, that's a guy you de- is definitely worth investing in. You know, now he was one of the pandemic cuts. So maybe that had something to do where WWE was trimming back during the pandemic. But and maybe the age was it was uh, was part of the reason, too, because they're very much on this NIL fresh out of college kind of kick. And this was a guy that was already in his 30s or pushing 30 at that. Well, yeah, 2020, he would have been 30, 32 or 31 or 32 yeah, at that yeah. point. So, you know, maybe that was the reason. Maybe they didn't feel he was coachable. I don't know. I mean, I would have gave that guy every opportunity, but here we are. And um, MLW did, and I thought he did a good job there. And now we'll see if he ends up with AEW. But um, yeah, as far as the show, I mean, it wasn't anything great. The production was better than Fusion, I thought. It wasn't, it didn't blow me away, but it was clearly a step up from Fusion. Um, They changed, it doesn't have the same, like, uh, background music or cryons or anything. It's, it's different production. And I, and, and it's, it's, it comes across major league. Like it belongs on television, the production where uh, maybe fusion doesn't, but the problem is the venues they run that looks minor league, you know, and that's something they're going to have to work on, you know, making the buildings that they run look a little more, uh, you know, national television presentable. Um uh, than they than they do because the show really when you compare it to Raw or Dynamite or even something like Impact, it, it it definitely came across a little low rent. You know the the venue that you know, I think it was DCW Arena or whatever that the the matches were taped from last night. But um, there wasn't a ton of wrestling. I mean, the first half hour had the the little one minute squash squash knockout, which really wasn't even really a match. Another short match, and then you know. A lot of promos and then the main event was hammerstone and and uh and the judge in the in the last man standing match which you know it was those two guys throwing each other through tables and hitting each other with chairs so from a wrestling standpoint it wasn't great but um you know i'll, I'll dvr it every week and it's only an hour long which is refreshing it's an easy watch and i'll keep an eye on it until it you know and see if it holds my interest what's weird rich is they run a second hour at 11 and it's called MLW Underground, but it's like old footage. Like last night, they they reran. Well, I think that's the what battle. their wasn't that what their original show was called back in whatever it was two thousand two or whenever they first came up. I believe that's what the name of the original show was. So it's it's a little the branding's a little strange there. So I guess I but I guess the lineage is there. You know what I mean? Like I guess that it is still technically the same show. It's just like kind of a a a new beginning of the old show. Yeah, it, it was from two thousand. Two to two, or 2003 to 2004, I uh, was called MLW Underground TV. So I guess they're just going to bring back old episodes of that. So, all right. No, that's not what it is. They showed the battle riot from oh. six months ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. And they didn't even really tell you, like, if, if, okay, if you were just someone who had never seen MLW before, right? And you watched the first hour, and then the second hour comes on, you wouldn't think that it was something that was old. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, they right. didn't explain. They just, you know, and and I think they need to make a better distinction. Like, call that second hour underground classic or underground retro. Like, make it clear that that's not 
an extension of what you just watched. Like it's not a two hour show. It almost felt like a two hour show, but the second hour was just old shit for some reason. I don't know. It was very confusing and I don't know what's happening with fusion. They don't upload it to YouTube anymore. It's on that pro wrestling TV app. And today they put out a little, either a tweet or a release that said that the new episode of fusion has been postponed. Now we knew the lineup and everything. There was a Billy Starks match against uh, Becca, uh, a couple of basically all the shitty matches from the October taping. They've been burning off those matches on fusion. Because all the A stuff is going to go on this underground show. But today they postponed Fusion on Pro Wrestling TV. So I don't know what's going on with that. Now, I did send an email to their PR. And they haven't answered me back. Because, you know, clarifying. Look, is Fusion A, is Fusion going to exist? B, is it ever going to go back on YouTube? And C, are you completely done with B in? They have nothing on the B in schedule. I think they are done. I, I, I thought I saw that release that they, they ceased... Uh, to to air fusion ever again. Okay, so they did announce that. I okay. believe so. Yeah, let me let me clarify that I I actually saw that and read that, but let me uh, let me make sure. Yeah, so I would like to know if fusion is still going to exist. Is it going to be on pro wrestling TV? Is it going to be um, basically a B show to to underground's A show? So we'll see what they say. I was hoping they'd answer me before the show, um, but they didn't. But I, I mean, he's good though. He will answer us because that's that's Sean Graben. He does a nice job. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he'll he will get back to me eventually. Um, because I did sign up for the screeners and everything today and took care of all that. But um, yeah. So MLW, it, it's you know we'll have to see. Um, you know, so it looks like for now you get the first run stuff at ten. You get the stuff from the archives at eleven, and Fusion. I don't. I don't know. I really, you know, it, it, I don't know what's happening with that. They have the stuff that aired last night was from the October taping. It's ancient. There's still about half of that show to go. And then they had, they had two more tapings since. So they have a lot of stuff in the can and I don't know when they're running their next show, but they do have a lot of stuff. I mean, like I said, and Duke is already out of the company. Mads Kruger was on the show last night, rich. He hasn't wrestled for MLW since September. I mean, they, they, you know, so they have a lot of, but, but to be fair, it looked like they did a write-off for Kruger because he got attacked in a hallway and they play and the way the commentators were talking, it was like, we're never going to see him again. Like whoever attacked him, like completely destroyed him. But you know, that's a guy who hasn't wrestled there for what going almost six months at this point. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> the taping schedule so, is just bizarre too. Yeah. It, it's, it's a perplexing company in a lot of ways. And, and, and I, I know they're trying to do things the right way and they, they do some stuff really, really good. It just, yeah, where, where they stand in this marketplace and what, what they can be in this marketplace is just really, really hard to kind of figure out. And, and it's a problem with a lot of wrestling right now is it's like, and we talked about this during the pandemic a lot. We had one of those shows where we were like, let's honestly look at every one of these other companies that's on TV and like, you know, what are you presenting to the audience that's going to make them want to watch you over the other, you know, eight hours of first run pro wrestling television that's on, on on TV every single week. And I think that's, that is something that MLW does struggle a little bit with. And I think they do have a little bit of a niche in, in some ways. And I, I think that they do have a, a few advantages because I think they have a really good PR team. And like I said, they're really, really good at, at getting their name out and getting press releases out and getting, you know, uh, publicity. But yeah, in, in terms of the bell to bell in ring, that product is just, it's tough. And then there's so many weird things about it that, that just make it really, really hard to follow if you're, you know, a fan that's not tuned in to, to, to what's going on. 
And you don't like, you know, that Rob Viper thread talking about a couple of the luchadors who never get booked and they politely ask to get out of their deals and they won't let them out. That's weird. I mean, that's just bad business. Well, and, if, and that's that's carried on for publicly. A lot of guys time. did that. Yeah. yeah. MJF famously wanted to get out of his deal and they told him no. And man, and I don't know about Warner, but I know there was a time when Warner wanted to get out of his deal and they were like, no, nope, you've signed. The, you know, there, there's been a few of those. And, and you know, I get, you know, you keeping guys to deals or whatever but if you're not going to use them then what do you, you know what why you know that that's that's the where issue it just here is weird. they're not the issue here is they're not booking these guys right right so if you're not booking them and they want to and you know and they want to do try something else either book them or let them go you know um so you know there's there's always some shadiness around mlw to some degree but um but yeah so nxt the same night i just pulled up um from WrestleNomics, it was their lowest total viewership since December sixth, and their lowest demo since May tenth, twenty twenty two. Point one one, point one one in the demo, so not great. You got to think the State of the Union had something to do with that. But um, as far as the rest of WWE goes, what I wanted to at least mention was um, we talked last week about this Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes. You know, what do you do at WrestleMania? Do you do, you know, looks like they're going with Rhodes. Is it a mistake? Do you go with Zayn? Do you have two nights to play with? How do you handle this? Well, Raw and SmackDown were both down this week, but I wouldn't read too much into that because we knew Raw and SmackDown. You look, they were doing some phenomenal numbers coming off the Royal Rumble, and you knew that overall that wasn't going to sustain. But what was interesting to me about the WWE ratings this week is if you look at the quarter hours for SmackDown, okay, there is an enormous, ridiculous jump for the final quarter hour, quarter hour eight, which was the Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn stuff. So Sami Zayn is over as fuck. I mean, there's no question about that. And then you look at the raw quarter hours and what was the big quarter hour on raw that stands out that Cody Paul Heyman sticks out like a sore thumb that jumped like crazy. (laughs) Cody, Cody Paul Heyman. Yeah. So they have two guys in Cody and Sami Zayn who are just both over like crazy right now. And, you know, it's like you really can't go wrong. I mean, do you try to find a way to wedge Sami Zayn into the WrestleMania mix with the two nights to play with in some form or fashion? Um, I don't know. Or, you know, however it plays out at Elimination Chamber, will that satisfy people? Um it's interesting because when you have someone that's this hot, it, it's you almost you don't want to squander it. And I know they're going to have a gigantic house in Montreal, and and that show is going to do well and everything. But um, I don't know. And I, I guess it would be an easier decision to potentially switch gears if Cody as well wasn't as over. As right. If you, if you only, if you only had, and I was going to say, cause, cause they have shown the ability to do that. They've done it. They did it with Kofi. They did it with Daniel Bryan. They, they've done that where they've pivoted around this time of year and said, all right, you know what? Fuck it. This guy's super over the crowds into him. We're not going to fight it. Whatever. We'll pivot. We'll do this at WrestleMania. And then we'll get back to what we want to do after that or whatever. And, and they've done that before. And they, and, 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 to varying degrees, it's it's worked or it hasn't worked or whatever. But the problem here and the big wrench in this plan is that, yeah, like you said, the guy that you want to go with, Cody, 
is over as fuck too and is drawing ratings too. So it's not like you're looking at one guy who, you know, the, the Daniel Bryan thing was you're looking at Batista and the crowd hated Batista. They, they were done with it. They were just booing like crazy. They were hijacking the shows. So they finally just said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go with Daniel Bryan. Fine. We'll do it. And the Kofi one was a little bit more. There just wasn't really anybody stepping up. And then Kofi was getting these insane reactions. So they said, fuck it. We'll do it. Why not? This one's tough because the guy that you want to pick, the guy that you want to be the guy at WrestleMania is, is Cody and he's still doing well too. So is the is there really a, a a reason for them to say ah shit we got to pivot to Sammy like they might just be fine saying hey you know what let's do the elimination chamber thing that whatever we're gonna do whatever it is and that will be enough to satisfy the crowd and then we'll put Sammy in something but Cody and Reigns is still our match and 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 the fans haven't told us yet that's not that's they still want that they still want that match the ratings are still reflecting that the crowd reactions are still reflecting that so um. Yeah, I think you're getting that tag now. I think you're getting Sammy and, and, and Owens versus the Usos on, you know, night one and then, you know, Cody and and, and Reigns on night two or whatever. I, I don't know the nights, but yeah, I, like you, you're right that there's a possibility that if you really, really wanted to, if you really said, all right, let's do something with this and Reigns is, is down for 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 doing it. You can have them made. You can have Reigns on night one against Sammy and night two against Cody if you really, really wanted to. But I don't know. I don't see. I don't know if that's the way that they're going to go with this and that that's I, I don't know i don't know if reigns is is into doing that either it, it, there's a lot of ways but like you said they're not really in this weird position anyway because they have the guy that they want is over as fuck right now anyway with cody so they're kind of in a in a good spot here where they can really do no wrong with, with either of those two guys what's interesting about the cody quarter hour is it was the top of hour three which typically is where the show begins its decline right right this increased by 200,000, over 200,000 total viewers and about 100,000 people in the demo. I mean, it's just an unusual jump, especially for that, for where it was positioned on the show. There was only one other quarter hour on the entire Raw that was that averaged over 2 million viewers. That was Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. So Brock, as we know, is always, you know, the fallback option when they need to pop some numbers and he's still delivering after all these years. But that was the top of hour two where it's much easier to draw because people haven't gone to bed yet. That third hour of Raw, I mean, traditionally just drops like a stone starting with that, you know, 10 o'clock hour. So that makes the Cody quarter hour even all the more impressive. So it's a nice problem to have for WWE right now um, with, with two guys that are this over going into the most important part of their year. Um, and as we said, I mean, raw overall, I mean, they were, look, they were going to be down and, you know, from um, let me get, see if I can find the exact figures. Oh, you have them, right? It's uh, so anyway, they were down in 12% total viewership and 13% in the demo from from the week prior. So the thing now is where is Raw's settle point? You know, after the Raw 30 episode and, you know, coming off hot, the Royal Rumble. Okay, now we're going to come back down to earth. It's just what where is that level? Now? Right, right. And it should still be noted. They were still ranked number one among cable originals uh, and number four, if you include broadcast as well. That's from WrestleNomics, too. So, oh, well, yeah, well, one point they did nearly one point nine million viewers at a point five five. Right. I'm that's not a good they, number. I'm not saying they did a poor number, but I'm saying they weren't going to sustain those. No, no, I no, think no. everyone realized they weren't going to sustain those otherworldly numbers that they were putting up, Um, you know, and and uh 
the same for SmackDown. SmackDown this week was down too. Let me get the exact percentages. They were down 6% in total viewership and 10% in the demo. But again, no one's going to be mad at 2.4 million viewers and a 0.61. So um, anyway, that's uh, anything else on the WWE ratings? Uh, no, no, I think uh, I, I think we, we got those. So let's, uh, yeah, there's a few other interesting companies. New Japan, I wanted to touch on real quickly and then we can go to yeah. AEW here uh and we've been following new japan because we were kind of surprised when when they put on the big time you know main events of wrestle kingdoms on that access show all of a sudden now a bunch of people are watching the show and it's 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 popping really good numbers or whatever this was an interesting week because this week they showed the iwgp junior heavyweight uh four-way from wrestle kingdom and that got fifty-eight thousand viewers and a point zero one in 18 to 49 which is is strange because that's up 14 percent from where it was the prior week in, in total viewership, but down 22% in 18 to 49. That's a strange number. What, what, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, when you're talking about when the viewership gets that low, like in the 50,000 range, it's so susceptible to those wild percentage swings because even if you only add a couple thousand viewers, you're talking about double-digit growth. Right. Or if you lose a couple thousand viewers, you're talking about you know losing. The, the bottom line with the New Japan ratings is this. I mean, they did 7,000 viewers in the demo. It's just an insignificant – it's within the margin of error. Like The margin of error is like 7,000 viewers. So they could have done anywhere from zero to 14,000. You know, So it's such a small number that it's completely unreliable when it gets that small. The bottom line with New Japan is this. What we suspected when they popped big numbers – for the two co-main events is that you have to give credit to Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Kazuchika Okada, and Jay White, because it's very clear that those two matches were relatively speaking in the context of access TV and this television show. Those two matches were big rating straws. Now what's disappointing for new Japan is that they haven't seemed to hold any of those viewers who said, all right, I'm going to pop in for these two big matches because they've, you know, obviously Osprey Okada has all this buzz. These are the main events of wrestle kingdom. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. They haven't held those people. No, those people have not said, you know what? New Japan's back. I'm going to start watching the show every single week. They, they watched the matches that they wanted to see with the stars that they wanted to see. And then they've went away. Yeah. They hit it and quit it is what they did. And because now new Japan is back doing numbers at the same level they were doing before, which by the way is quite easily the second the second best show on access tv <laughs> so they're in a strong position on their network you know what i mean like the network has to be thrilled with new japan's performance um but it's got to be a little bit a little disappointing for new japan that they weren't able to you know hold some of those viewers from those two big main events even with matches other matches from wrestle kingdom right i can maybe you can maybe soften the blow a little if they were done showing stuff from Wrestle Kingdom, but they're still showing Wrestle Kingdom matches and they're right back to the levels that, that they were at. So, um, you know, as always, we'll keep an eye on it, but it looks like, um, you know, feather in the cap to Okada, Osprey, Omega and, and white. And, um, you know, and, and it looks like we're right back to their usual levels. Uh, Rampage, interesting one for them this week. So they had a 406,000 viewers, uh, 0.11 in the 18 to 49. That's down 11% in total viewership uh, and down 20% from last week's demo. And this is a fun little experiment that they did here because we, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago that we said, you know, something with, they need to go back to, you know, featuring top guys on Rampage. And they went through a week of, I don't know, a, a streak of, 
I don't know, a month straight or whatever, where Moxley was just, it became the Moxley show for a little bit. And they said, hey, John Moxley's going to be on Rampage. John Moxley's going to be on Rampage. And those numbers ticked up almost immediately when they did it. We, we, we always talk about how when CM Punk was around, that was kind of his show. It wasn't just the first dance. They very regularly said, CM Punk's going to be on Rampage. He's going to cut a promo. He's going to wrestle. He's going to, they made him a focal point of that show for a lot of the weeks. And the numbers kind of reflected anytime that he was there, you know, the numbers looked pretty good. They do that with Moxley and they, they do get a little bit of numbers. And I, I think this may have been some sort of like, I don't know if it was as deliberate as, as I'm laying out here, but they decided this week to just kind of go back to the rampage that they were doing before they decided to throw Moxley on every single week. And, you know, that was what happened is people said, oh, well, you know what? I'll skip this week. And they didn't watch. So. I don't know. Rampage seems like it's going to always be this way. It's on the whims of who's on the show, who's on the card. And, and that's true of a lot of wrestling shows, but it seems most most obvious with Rampage that if you're if there's not a big time star or a big time match, then people are just going to say, ah, you know what? I'll do something else on Friday. Yeah, I mean, the the trios match with the elite was the highest quarter hour and total viewers and demo and beat the average of the of the show by a pretty decent margin, but um, yeah, I mean, the main event was Christopher Daniels and Roosh. The main event, really Rampage as we know is booked in reverse, but you know, you get the idea. The last match that went on was Christopher Daniels and Roosh and um, that didn't do well at all. But I think what we're learning is for all the flaws in Nielsen, and we all have issues with Nielsen. I don't think anybody argues that. No, we, Nielsen, we, all know. we all know. Yeah. No one argues that Nielsen is good or that their methodology is current, up-to-date, or, or flawless. But, you know, it's what the industry uses, and as long as the industry is going to use it, we have to analyze it, right? Um, if, if, if the television industry decided that the success of a TV show was measured by whether or not it was sunny that day, We'd have to analyze the weather. I mean, that's just, you. You just have to do right. If, if people bought ads based off, oh, it was sunny today, so here's a million dollars for ads for your television show. Then that's it. You know what I mean? Like, then that's, that's what we have to analyze. <laughs> right. But but I will say this about Nielsen: there must be something. There must be some sort of method to their madness, so to speak. Because what are the trends we've been talking about this whole segment? Stars are popping the quarter hours. Cody, Red Hot, Sammy the two Wrestle Kingdom main events, Moxley when he's on Rampage. I mean, that tells you that something Nielsen doing that Nielsen is doing is is right because that's how you would think it would be, right? Right, maybe that obsessing would, over the actual individual numbers themselves and maybe that, you know, because it is. It's an approximation and this yeah. sort of stuff. But, like, the trends. The trends speak for themselves. The trends are obvious. And, and yeah, the trends speak to when there are stars on your show, people tend to watch it. I, it's a novel concept, indeed. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Nielsen can't be completely and utterly useless and out of date and, and non-functional because you look at these quarter hours and, and when we're lucky enough to see minute by minutes, they're not random results. The stars are the ones that are spiking these quarters and these minutes. And in the in the larger macro sense, you know, like in the case of Rampage, when they when they have more stars, Rampage does a better number. So, um, you know, there's something, there, there's something, uh, there, there's angles where you can defend Nielsen, even though I think we all agree in this day and age, there has to be a better way. I mean, how do we have the technology we have and all the advancements we have in every other area? And we're still measuring television ratings essentially the same way we did in 1970. How, how is that possible? 
you know, that I, you know, we have to, but I don't know, I guess they just have a stranglehold on the industry and, um, you know, at some point you think we can get something that's it feels a like every accurate. few years it's like these networks have come together and they're going to try to figure out a new way and then you never hear about it again and they just right go back so it must be it must be harder than we think it is i don't know it's i i feel like as long as i've followed like the sports media and this applies to wrestling and 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 sports itself it it always seems like people are like ah there's another way we have to find another way and then they just nobody ever does and nielsen just always continues to to do it, but it, it it boggles my mind, especially with like cable boxes and just the amount of data that people are just willing willingly able to give companies. You know, give you yeah, YouTube, Google, take everything you want. Alexa's great, cool, take it all. Like we don't care. We're just we're willy nilly with our data. We don't give a shit, and yet it's still like TV ratings are still just the most innocuous, weird thing in the world. But who knows? Yeah, it, it, at some point something will. But I don't know. It it's feels like we've been. Hearing that for a very, very long time. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then last is Dynamite. They had uh, 899,000 viewers on average and a 0. .30 in the 18 to 49. That is pretty much no difference in terms of total viewership. I think it's like a thousand person difference. If, if that, it's a minimal, minimal, minimal difference uh, in total viewers. Uh, and the 18 to 49 was down 2%. So pretty much a. Nothing happened in ratings. Yeah, p- thing, point so. three one, a point three one, and then a point three. It's like the same thing. Yeah. And, so and the same it, in the viewers, same in the demo. Nothing really to talk about. It's really dynamite. Was really just flat, you know. And um, you know, the quarter hours to me, the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is Brian Danielson versus Roosh, which um, you had one picture-in-picture ad, so it had no full-length commercial, no true commercial break, which helps. And it ate up the entire quarter hour, which was the top of the hour quarter hour. And it shot up dramatically from the previous quarter. In fact, it was the only quarter. Um, well, it was one of two quarters on the show that had growth. The final quarter hour with the main event. But it was only a thousand people it was seven, seven, nine. And then the main event had seven eighty. So it was eventually essentially flat. The the Danielson Roosh quarter hour shot up about 25, about you know, over almost 60,000 total viewers. So um, people were into the Danielson Roosh match. That was, that was a, and, and really the rest of the show followed the trend line. It was really a, a totally non-notable ratings week for dynamite, you know, flat with the overall and demo. And then outside of that Danielson quarter hour, uh, nothing else really stood out because everything else just followed the, the four week trend those four week trends that, that Brandon Thurston posts on WrestleNomics, which are very helpful. Um, you know, and the one quarter hour that looks like it really tanked had a full commercial break and a bunch of backstage stuff. So, you, you, you know, it's like, that's why they look at minute by minutes because when you have a full commercial break and a bunch of backstage stuff and only seven minutes of wrestling, it's th- those kind of quarter hours are never going to do well because you know, if you look at the minute by minutes, people turn the show off as soon as commercials come on. And anything that's not in the ring typically does worse. You know, you, you rather promos don't do as well as matches for AEW, but the ones in the ring do better than the ones that stuff that's outside of the ring always has people changing the channel for whatever reason and commercials. And that quarter hour, which was quarter hour four, just had a ton of that, which explains why that quarter hour really tanked. But um, the Danielson match got everybody back. So um, other than that, I did, there's really nothing to dissect with this week's Dynamite. 
I, I, I was struggling for things to talk about um, behind the paywall in that rating segment because it's just, you know. Yeah, essentially the same week-to-week numbers, like like shockingly yeah. close uh, week-to-week numbers. So, yeah, no no, no grand takes to uh, uh, to be had from, from that Dynamite. But that uh, that that uh, Thursday Dynamite review, as you said, uh, is available at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com. Uh, slash Patreon. It's a lot of different ways uh, you can get to that, and uh, a pretty fun episode of Dynamite. Uh, we're not going to do the whole Dynamite review here, but uh, well, what'd you think? No one ever cares what you think. No, I thought it was a good show. I, I mean, the, the thing is, is okay. I always wonder about this, and if I ever quit my job or whatever, if I ever lost my job or whatever, one of the first things I would pitch to you is us doing instant reactions to Dynamite every single week. And I know that like some you, sometimes you don't watch it live or whatever, but. I would like to do that because I think there we would either be the best immediate post dynamite show that's out there. Probably, probably that or the worst, because a lot of times I finish a dynamite and I'm like, that was a damn good wrestling show. And then I'm like, I have nothing else to say. You know what I mean? Like, cause with all these other people just twisting themselves into knots about, I, I, I likened it. I called it the brandy segment. And that's when I filled in for you on a, on a Thursday uh, a dynamite review about a year, a couple years ago, obviously, this is when Brandy was still there. Um, and I just kind of said, like, the thing with Dynamites is you get this, like, two hours and 45 minutes of, or an hour and 45 minutes of, like, really, really great show with good promos and good wrestling and all this sort of stuff. And then, like, there's, like, this 10 or 15 minutes that everybody then harps on the entire week. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, 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 and just gets upset about, and it's the whole, fo- the focal point of all the discourse from all the pundits is about that 10 to 15 minute segment or whatever. And that just, it, they just, beat you over the head with it and beat you over the head with it and beat you over the head with it. And I feel like our show wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's what people want out of their dynamite reviews or recaps or whatever. I don't know. So it's like, I don't know if it would be a good show because I tend to just watch the show and go, wow, that was really good. I had a lot of good matches and hell to catch it and MJF. They kicked ass. And you know, this, the Danielson's and Roosh was fantastic. So yeah, great show. And then, like, I don't know what else, I would really have to say. I mean, I I think you do a great job with the the, the Thursday Dynamite reviews, but I often think like I, if I had to do this show, like I don't have as many hot takes as other people do on Dynamite because I just think it's a really good show usually. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll just you know do the thing where I don't want to say creating a straw man because it's not a straw man, but I'll just I'll just take all of those bad takes and then react to those takes. You know what I mean? When I can't, when, 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 I, when, when well, I'm, that's when what I'm I meant. Tr- if we did a post show, like we wouldn't know what the takes are just yet. So it'd be like you and me being like, yeah, that match. That was good. <laughs> like MJF promo. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. It was uh, unique. Like it's just in the way that the AEW, the beats of AEW are just a little different from other wrestling. And it, it, it freaks a lot of people out and people don't like it. And people are, are, are very, you know, upset by it all the time. And that's not the way to do it. Ah, that, I, why are they telling the story that way? Well, they're, they're, they're allowed to tell the stories however they fucking want to tell the stories. There's no way to tell the story. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it Often, like I don't, ha- you're, you're, you know, I people always say, "Rich, we need, your, we want your thoughts on Dynamite," and it's like I don't know that my thoughts on Dynamite are that hot. Like they're, I watch the show every single week. I usually think it's pretty damn good, and and it they usually present a lot of really good wrestling matches, and and yeah, there's like one or two things to show that I, I I feel like I have some takes on, but I don't know. Otherwise, I just think it's a really really solid show. It's on a really really good run as well. But yeah, you wouldn't know that listening to everybody else talk about it. There's a lot of frustrating analysis because number one, there's this thing that seems to consume everyone and that's 
what do they have to do to catch WWE? And that is so, so such a defeating way to approach it. The answer is they don't have to catch WWE, at least not in the short term. Look, I said this at the time when they were starting to inch real close to Raw in the demo. That was more embarrassing for WWE than impressive for AEW, if that makes any sense. Okay? I'm not trying to shit on how well AEW was doing, you know, when Punk was new and and they were really um, uh, clicking from a ratings perspective in, I guess, what was that, 2021? But... It was really embarrassing for WWE to allow such a new company to be that close to them in the ratings for that period of time. Okay. And that was really the story more than AEW doing all this, you know, catching up so quickly. It was more Vince is fucking old, washed up, doesn't get it anymore. And look how far he's fallen that a two-year-old show is right on their heels. It was more embarrassing for them than impressive for AEW. And you know, um, right now, Sami Zayn is hot and Cody is hot and they're putting up really strong ratings. And th- this idea that AEW isn't succeeding or can't be a success unless or until they catch WWE. I mean, it's this everyone is stuck in this Monday Night War mindset. Right. And it was a loser mindset and then. It did it wasn't a good mindset for WCW to have. It ended up driving them into death. Like they they there was a point in nineteen ninety eight where, where WF had passed I mean, yes, it helped them get to the where they got to in in, in 96 and 97 or whatever. Okay, great. How many times are we going to bring back fucking 1996 and 1997? Stop. Like, enough already. And then you look at 98 and 99, and that was WWE was still successful, but it it consumed them that they were not beating WWE anymore. We're not winning the war anymore. So instead of just being content with the business that they were doing, which was still really good, they were still making a ton of money, they went nuts and did a bunch of things and did crazy things. We got to win the ratings. We got to win the ratings. We got to win the ratings. and, and it didn't it didn't help at all. And it's a really, really bad mentality to have, especially for a company that's just a few years old, is 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 no, do your thing. Get your new TV deal. Do whatever you can to grow your TV. But yeah, you should not be thinking about how do we how do we beat WWE? You don't have to beat WWE. You need to grow right now and get get that second television deal, get that big money deal, and then maybe you can be a little bit more comfortable about okay, you know what? Next benchmark. Let's go for this. Let's go for that. But until you sign that big paper TV deal, no, you're trying to get that. That's that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, um, the show is great. I mean, the show is. I don't know if it's if people realize how great Dynamite is on a week in week out basis. That was the, with, every time I feel in for you on on, on Thursday TV reviews. That's what I say is just like. Do you guys realize how good this show is that every single week on free television uh, and TBS you can turn on TBS and get at the very least like at the very least you get one tremendous awesome wrestling match every single week. Most times it's two, and sometimes it's more than that. It's like it's absurd. Yeah, this week it was three. This it's week there were three. I know it's stupid. It it the show is so good. It's like a mini pay per view every week in terms of match quality. Um, you know, so that that piece of anal- that piece of discourse is just right. so. And annoying. the dorks pretend that that's bad for some reason. Like they like it. The people watching like it, but they pretend that like. 
like you always say, ah, the casual fan isn't going to like, okay, the casual fan doesn't like Roosh and Brian Danison kicking ass while the crowd goes nuts. All right, fine. All right, cool. Well, well that leads me to why. Well, okay, so the first annoying piece of discourse is what do they have to do to catch WWE, which inevitably leads to you're not successful unless you can catch WWE, which is just completely false. And the second annoying piece of discourse is that the show doesn't tell stories and we've talked about this a million times but you just look at last night and you had you know this idea that they oh well they just throw matches out there they're, the matches are great but they're just throwing matches out there for the sake of having matches people need stories i mean literally look at last night mjf Takeshita, which you know they planted the seeds four weeks ago and is part of this whole mjf brian danielson story right so very clearly that match had a story, right? Then you then you have the the Ricky Starks gauntlet, which he's been feuding with Chris Jericho for what a month and a half or something, and very obviously that match had a story. Roosh and Brian Danielson, you know Danielson's last obstacle he has to get through to face MJF at the pay per view. The whole through line of last night's show was MJF trying to prevent Danielson from winning this match. Right? It so couldn't be more of a story. It couldn't be more like, of a story. <laughs> Yeah, like this is, you know, so, I mean, obviously that one, you know, is, is, is was just thick with fucking story that, you know, he got locked in the trainer's room and everything else and then had to overcome Roosh and then MJF attacking him afterwards. Like the first fucking two thirds of the show was the MJF Brian Danielson story, you know, and then you had um, obviously the main event with the with the guns and the acclaimed. Those guys have been feuding for months and then, you know, the guns fucking cheat their way into the titles and everything. So, I, I, you know, the Elite and AR Fox and Top Flight, well, AR Fox and Top Flight won that Trios Battle Royal, and then Top Flight beat the Bucks to earn the Trios title <laughs> shot. <laughs> so maybe that isn't as long-term of a story as the Guns and the Acclaimed or MJF and but, Brian Davidson. Why, why are we pretending that every television wrestling show was, was, was thick with month-long stories every single week? Like, what are we but doing? that's the thing. Every match on this show was. <laughs> that's, I, I and, agree. And, I know, and, but it's like, but, 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 but the Bucks and, and the, oh, that was only a couple weeks. Ah, they're not telling stories. It's, it's, I, I don't know. It, 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 they, the thing with AEW is I wish they just, I honestly sometimes wish they did tell less stories and just right. had cool as fuck right. matches. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I just want to see Ricky Starks in a cool fucking match. I don't need JAS, you know, running in or whatever. Just let Ricky Starks face somebody, beat him and say, all right, I'm coming for you, Jericho. Next time I see you, I'm coming. Like sometimes I kind of wish they did that. They're so thick, but I don't know. I, again, crazy pills. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I hear yeah, people that, talk that, about that, AEW. That'd probably be better than doing the gauntlet story thing. Right. right? Just have just, Ricky Starks beat a geek and say, all right, Jericho, next time you're here, I'm going to whoop your ass just like I whooped this guy's ass. The end. Like, that's enough for me, but. But my point here is this isn't even unusual. You can go look at any dynamite ever. And, you know, now the only match on the show that you can argue didn't have a story coming in was Bunny versus Hater because they just set it up with a backstage promo the week before. Right. Which, by the way. It's fine. That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Those standards are okay. Which every company in the world does that. Yeah. I mean, uh. you know, so it's like that match was technically that wasn't even just a cold match that was just thrown together because that was Bunny saying, hey, I want your title. I'd like to challenge you to a match next week to earn a title shot. That's your story. But all right, I'll even give you that one. Even if I give you that one. 80% of the matches last night <laughs> had a long-term story going into them and people will insist it's just shit people say. It's shit people say 
because they get it from people like Bischoff and all these other clowns who are just out there. And I hate to use the overturn phrase, but they're grifting because they know there's a market for people who want to hear, you know, the anti AW stuff. So they hammer it home. Um, you know, it, it's it, but it's, it's, it's just a lie. I mean, and this isn't an outlier week. I can do this for any week of dynamite. You know, typically a dynamite has five matches. At least four out of the five matches are part of long-term stories every week, every week, rich. So I don't even know where this stuff comes from either. It's just, you know, and it's, um, and of course that all equals doom because all AEW does is put out cold matches that are meant for work rate geeks that have no story to them. So inevitably they're going to die. I even though their ratings are steady as fuck. I mean, they're doing, you know, doing pretty well right now. I mean, yeah. So I don't know that that's what gets frustrating. And, and I don't like to spend my whole review counteracting that kind of stuff, but sometimes it's hard to ignore. You know what I mean? It's like, Sometimes it feels like you have to be the voice of reason in a sea of insanity. Right, right. And I, I guess that's you know? if we if we did do a dynamite post show or whatever, that I guess that's what we would do is just be like, this was good. This segment was also good. And and that's I guess the sea of reason is you know the, the voice of reason is uh, uh, saying, you know, that match that was really good was really good. And it told they this is how they built it up. And this is the story they told. And this is the story that came in. And this is the story that came out. So uh, I guess that's what it would be. But alas, that's that's not happening just yet. But we'll see what ends up the, happening. The, the only thing that sucked on Dynamite last night was Leva Bates. It's the only thing that sucked. I, I thought the rest of the show was ranged from incredible, some of the best TV wrestling you'll ever see, to, oh, uh, it was okay. I didn't love the gauntlet, but it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. It was a nice next step in that story. Right, right. But I, the gauntlet, I, I just got I just got done watching, you know, Takeshita and MJF kick ass. Uh, and I was just about to watch Roosh and, and Brian Danison have just a fucking spectacular TV wrestling match. Like, I'll get over the gauntlet. You know what I mean? It was like, ah, that was all right. I'll, I'll get over it. I'll get over Liv of Bates because I just saw Roosh and Brian Danielson have a, you know, an 18-minute match on, on free television. I'll get over it. I'll, it it'll be okay. I'll be fine. Yeah, you know, MJF talked about getting roadhead. Oh my god, I'm, I'm ah, I'll get over that. You know, it's fine. He's a heel. It's okay. He's a heel. He's a bad guy. He's a dork. That's what you're supposed to. Yeah, think. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I can handle someone <laughs> yeah. talking about a blowjob. <laughs> oh I, my god. <laughs> you know, you mean, you know, I, why are we pearl clutching this all of a sudden? I don't like, know. I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't mind my pro wrestlers talking like adults talk. <laughs> I'll take that over I, fucking Vengeance Day, which we'll talk about in a little bit. In the oh my god, dialogue that they have in that show. Good God, yeah. But um, all I've ever wanted to do in my entire life is be a WWE superstar, like uh, Roxanne Perez. Shit. Right? Yeah. Yes. You know yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. This yeah. is my entire life's goal is to be a WWE superstar, and now I am the NXT Women's Champion. <laughs> Okay, you know, like you can take if you want that. Great, good for you. I want fucking MJF talking about getting roadhead. You know what I mean? Like that's what I want out of my wrestling. Call me old fashioned, Joe. I'll take her, that. Her, her goal in life is to get to the main roster so Michael Cole can say she likes to have fun. That's her goal <laughs> right. in life. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I don't know, but um, 
I guess uh, got any more on these. I guess we're done with the ratings. Huh? No, we, we are done with the ratings. So uh, so one quick thing I wanted to get into a little bit of a thought experiment that, that I was thinking about on, on Tuesday, actually. And then, you know, as we we're talking about the ratings on MLW Underground and and uh, NXT and stuff on, on, on Tuesday night, um, I was thinking about this while watching the LeBron James scoring record game and I watched the entire thing and obviously I wanted to be there to see the history of LeBron James you know setting the the record beating Kareem you know beating Kareem Abdul Jabbar's mark that that stand for you know 38 years or whatever I'm pretty much never gonna get beaten like that that record feels now like it's going to be completely ridiculous to, to for anybody to get uh we covered it on the uh, over and back podcast which I also host over and back NBA uh, dot com and we, we kind of ran some of the numbers and it's like nobody that's in the league right now has any chance of doing it there's just no way I mean they, the, the way that people play these days the amount of games that people play even if they did play more it's it's like it's it's absurd it's, for anybody to get there it's absurd and this guy's going to continue to add points to the total as well like he's not done he's going to keep playing and keep adding points so uh, it seems just about impossible for anybody to do this but what I was thinking about when I was watching that game and I thought you know this would be an interesting thing to touch on or, or talk about with Joe uh, on the flagship this week is many times while watching LeBron play, I've had the thought of right now as I'm sitting here watching this game, I'm watching one of the best players to ever play basketball. I'm, I'm watching one of the best NBA players in history. If you want to call him the best, knock yourself out. I think I'm at the point now where there's three people that you can say are your 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 greatest of all times. I don't. I'm not interested in getting into the debate. But if you say Jordan and you say Kareem and you say LeBron, any of those three, I'm cool with. That's fine, whatever. But I think you you you're 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 justified in any of those three choices at this point. But I'm sitting there and I'm I, and and especially on Tuesday night, I'm sitting there. And I'm saying I am watching one of the best basketball players ever, and I've been able to have a front row seat to this guy's entire career. I have. I'm sitting here right now and I'm watching a history making performance and I'm seeing one of the best guys ever. I, I, I am living through this and it made me think about in wrestling, how many times you've been watching somebody and maybe who are those names of people that you, that you've watched and said, you know what? That guy right there is the, one of the best to ever do it. That guy right there that I'm watching right now on my television is one of, if not the best guys that I've ever seen at this at, at this thing at, at this wrestling you know this guy right here and i'm trying to think in, 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 and i'm talking not like going back and watching like not you know for me yeah. i didn't live through masawa you know I've, i watched masawa knowing hey this guy's great and i'm gonna go back and watch old masawa tapes and it's like oh yeah that guy's great awesome okay yeah Kibachi. so you know i didn't watch them live i wasn't watching sitting down on my couch and going whoa that dude that guy is one of the i already knew everybody knew he was great and when i watched him i you know it was already well established that everybody thought that this guy was one of the greatest of all times but what I mean is like in real time watching a guy and, 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 and saying that dude right there, that's it. That's the truth. That guy is one of the best ever at this. How many times do you think you've done that watching wrestling and truly not just like, oh, that guy's one of the best right now, but like that, that dude is one of the all timers right there that I'm watching. I, I am lucky to be able to sit on my couch or sit or whatever. And I'm watching one of the best guys that's ever been at this sport. I'm watching him right now. How many times do you think you've done that in your wrestling watching career and how many guys are there? I guess I, I, I would be another question. Three. I can think of three. Okay. What do you got? Ric Flair. Um, I think Will Ospreay right now and over the last, since about 2019 is maybe the best and most consistent singles wrestler I've ever seen in my life. And right up there with anybody ever. So Ric Flair, Will Ospreay, and Brian Danielson 
over various points of his career. I would say all three of those guys, there have been times where I've watched them and thought to myself, I am watching. And I think this is the essence of what you're asking me. Tell me if I'm wrong. And where I have thought to myself while watching them in real time, I am watching maybe the greatest person to ever do this. Right. Right this second. No, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And I have had that thought watching all three of those guys at various points of their career over like, listen, and I'm not talking over, you know, one incredible match or, you know, where I right, sat right. there it and can't thought, just be like, oh, that's one of the great performances of all time. That's like in the midst of watching that guy, you're like, God damn, how lucky am I that I'm watching this dude right now? This is what I, I am lucky. I'm going to be able to tell generations later that I was alive and watching that dude at the peak of his fucking powers. That's one of the best guys to ever do this. And, and the Young Bucks is a tag team. I mean, sometimes I watch the Young Bucks and I just think to myself, this is ridiculous. They're the greatest tag team of all time. I, I just, I, I'll watch, I'll be watching them wrestle and I'll think, I'll think of the case low article and I'm like nodding along. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> I like, he's obviously right. Like they're, you know, um, that's it. I can't, I don't, it should be a small list, by the way, for anybody it doing this a, experiment yeah. at home, it's, it should be a small list. If your list is more than 10 people, then you're not watching, you, you're not, you're not watching the greatest guys to ever do it. You know what I mean? Like it should be a very, very, very small list of guys. Now, here's where I shit on some all-time greats, and people get mad. Oh, Even I was going to do it, too. I was going to do it, too, so I'm glad. <laughs> go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll do the – we won't steal each other's thunder. Who wants to go first? We'll give one guy at a time. Uh, Go first. You're, you're on a roll. Go for it. I have never watched Kazuchika Okada and thought to myself, he might be the greatest wrestler oh, I've ever seen. Oh, see, you're oh, – I, 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 I disagree. I think when I've seen that guy at times, I've said, that's one of the best guys to ever do it. Yeah. Oh, he he's one. Of, no. Okay. All right. That's two. Different oh, you're things. saying oh, one of uh, the the. Okay. I, I, okay. No, but but I. No, no, no. I I do think that. No. Let me rephrase that. I have watched Okada at times and said I'm lucky that I'm watching this guy. And I think a lot of it is because I saw his entire thing. Yeah. Similar to LeBron. Like I I watched LeBron's high school game. That first high school game that appeared on ESPN and said, oh boy, that guy. Wow, that guy's pretty good. Okay, cool. And then been able to watch the entire career. So I think that might be where I settle a little bit different of Okada is that, and I know you watched the whole run as well, but for some reason, I've always attached my, my fandom in a lot of ways to Okada, my fandom of, of Japanese wrestling. So I think watching him and saying, Hey, you know what? I've seen this guy from, from, his his re-debut in New Japan for wrestling to where he is now and whatever that night is, whether it it, it it be a Wrestle Kingdom or whatever, and said that that dude right there, that's it. That's the truth right there. That's that's the that's if not the best one absolutely top 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 tier dudes, one of the best to ever do it. I'm watching one of you know a very, very rare class of people. I, I see that with Okada. I'm I'm and I get why you don't. I totally do, but but I I I've felt that way about Okada. I think Okada is one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. But unlike the three guys I mentioned, I've seen him have disappointing matches. And I don't know if I could sit here and tell you that since about 2019, Will Ospreay's ever had a singles match that wasn't at minimum very good. That's just ridiculous. It's stupid. No one should be that good. And they're usually great. And come match of the year time, it's like, or uh, wrestle of the year, you you look at his resume and you're like, he has more great matches in a year than like legitimate Hall of Fame all-time greats have had in their entire careers. He's just out, outlandishly good. Yeah, well, well and, we, we we just watched in 2022 and, and, and that's, we try to make it 
And I, I we've tried to say it at the time too. Like you're watching something special. This is like a one on one thing. And the other thing too is like this guy. It's not like he had just one good year. He's had a lot of good years before and after that as well. But what we saw last year was just otherworldly what he was able to do. And, and yeah, he is another guy on my list that I'm like when I'm done. Yeah, especially after the year that he just had, I watched that guy and I'm like, I am so fucking lucky that I'm watching this guy right now. I, you know, I don't really think about like people love to do all time lists and you know the. Every five years, they do the greatest wrestler ever, you know, over at PWO or whatever. And um, I've never participated in that. I just I could never sit there and, and make a list of the hundred. No, best wrestlers. Not, I'm not wired that way. It's just not. I, way I'm not knocking it. I just can't do it. I I'm incapable of doing it. Um, I'm too indecisive. It's I can't split those kind of hairs. If I were to do it at this point, I, I don't know if I could have Osprey out of a top 10. I really don't think I could. Like it would feel silly. I mean, you know, I don't know. Definitely not out of a top 15 or top 20. I mean, that, that for sure. Um, you know, and Ric Flair, I mean, I didn't watch the first half of Ric Flair's career in real time, but I watched Ric Flair in real time from about 1986 or 1987. And, you know, from about 87 to 90. Mm, he really changed in that first WWF run, um, but was still great. Was still great. Um, he's another one where it's like, you know, you watch his 1989, for example, and you're like, you know, you can't, someone might be as good as this, but it's impossible for someone to be better than this yeah. is what you're thinking when you're watching that. Um, you know, and Danielson, obviously the 06 run in ROH and, what he's doing now. I mean, you put Brian Danielson in a TV match. Now the floor is it's going to fucking rock. I mean, it doesn't matter who he's in there with. Um, and it's just, he's just a step above even other great wrestlers. Um, you know, and I, I, and again, I think Okada's an all time great, but I've seen him have matches with Sonata. I've seen him, you know, there's, there's examples you can find where it's like, and Man. he does he does have a formula too, which I, I I get that some people do tire of that 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 like you said sometimes you you watch an Okada match and it's like I I've seen this match like ten times already I don't really need to especially those the ones that are really boring or whatever <laughs> like you said the Sonata ones you're just like I've, I I don't really I, I've seen this one I I get it I I totally do I I think he is still on my list but but I I absolutely get where you or anybody else would come from yeah for a guy who I'd probably only have like ninth all time or something. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. We're shitting on guys that like <laughs> it's in your top 15 of all time, you know, wrestlers. But uh, yeah, my list is, is, is small. My, my list is, is four people that I, I, I immediately came up with. And I guess the young bucks is a great call. I, I did not think of the young bucks, but that's it. That's one of them too. Where probably, I'm watching probably leave tag teams out of it. Right. I mean, right, right, right. But that, that they, they belong in there. If you want to include tag teams, cause it's just like, fuck these guys are just like, like what we're watching right now. No other tag team has ever or will ever, the run, what they've done over the last decade, hell, fifteen years you can add at this point. It's just like fucking no, it's nobody, nobody. And yeah, they'll have they'll have another great match on TV next yeah, week. Of course, I mean, <laughs> like, and they're not done. They're they're they continue to go. But it's like every time you're, I, like you said, the Case Low article. Are, you, are we sure the Young Bucks aren't the greatest tag team of all time? Like that runs in my head too because I'll I'll especially if I go there live. Like I'll go to a live AEW show. And the Young Bucks will wrestle, and they'll finish the match, and I'm like, fuck these guys. They're just always good. I've been watching these assholes for 15 years, and they're just every time they're good. 
always good. It's just like fuck you, guy. You know, it's just it's it's stupid how good they are. It's just insane. And I always I get that feeling when I'm done watching them. I'm like, God damn, how lucky am I that I've been able to watch these guys as much as I've been able to watch these guys? They're just so clearly better than any other tag team that's ever existed. It, it's just yeah, it, it, it boggles my mind. So uh, my list is Okada, um, Omega. I, I have that with Kenny Omega a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 you know, I've just said like, fucking Christ, there, there's, and you go back, the thing I get, I, 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 real time, I've, I felt it with Omega, and then you go back and watch matches, and you think, God, oh, did they actually hold up? And then I watch one from like, you know, him versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, and it's like, fucking Christ, man, this guy's just, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, so mine's Okada, Omega, uh, Danielson, and I think that's it. I said four, but I think it's three. Yeah, four, maybe. What's, what the hell? I think you I only named three. You that's named my. Three. I, I think it's it, it's just three. It's three. Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah. and that, like people might be thinking, well, what about Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like, well, I watched Stone Cold Steve Austin in real time, and like, I never, you know, yeah, he was a a, a dynamo of, a, but I never thought like, oh man, I'm lucky. You know, here I am watching. I, I just the way I watched well, Stone Cold from was the standpoint different. of from the standpoint of watching an enormous star. That's right, a right, thing. right. When I was watching that's him, I was like, thing. this guy is an otherworldly star or whatever. But yeah, it, it and it didn't have the same like. Looking back at it now, here, here's the thing I'll say about Austin. First off, I was like 10. So it's like, you know, I didn't I didn't quite grasp the history in front of me when I was watching him. But right. everybody was over as fuck at that time. Like you go to Night Show and everybody was over and you go to Raw and the Rock is over and Austin's over and all that. Like now in hindsight, it looks even more ridiculous when you when you see that like seven people clapping is like, ah, Liv Morgan's over. <laughs> like Listen to that crowd. Yeah. And then you watch Stone Cold. And it's like, oh, no, that's over. That's a dude that's over at the time. You. I'm sure if I was a little older, I could have appreciated it. But when I was like 10, I didn't quite appreciate that the glass broke and 20,000 people all went fucking haywire. Like I, I just, you know, but it, like, I, it's a different type of argument here. I'm not, I, I didn't watch Stone Cold and say, ah, that's one of the, that, that's the greatest ever do it. I'm watching him right now. I never felt that with him. Never felt that with the rock enormous stars, obviously, but never felt like, oh, these are otherworldly, you know, figures or whatever the way I do with some of those in ring guys. Um, that, 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 I, so yeah, I, that, I'm trying to think of anybody else that like Bret Hart is a guy that I love, you know, going back and watching old Bret Hart matches. But when I was, you know, I started really, really watching wrestling when I was, you know, like 95, 96, 97. So it's like I didn't quite grasp it. So. And even then, I don't know, like I like I love Bret Hart, but yeah. Yeah, I never thought I was like, dude, this dude right now, <laughs> right? It's in real time. It's all. And that's what that's we're saying. The thought experiment isn't going back and watching. guy. It's in real time. Watch a guy and a match is over. And you're just like, fuck, I just watched one of the greatest ever. Like that dude is the truth. Yeah. I mean, in terms of guys I watched in real time where it felt like people in the upper deck were in danger of falling to their death because they were it'd be The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Uh, not The Rock. Uh, Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. The Rock was kind of a different thing. I'm not saying, look, look, obviously, he's the fucking Rock. But he was more of a, just a charismatic force who can hold the attention of a room. Whereas Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan were, you heard the glass break, or you heard the first couple beats of Real American, and every and, and 20,000 people just completely lost their shit. And forgot that they were adults and just lost their minds. The rock wasn't really that the rock was the same, but a little different in that the rock would come out and he'd get the big pop, but then he grabbed the microphone and he would control 20,000 people for the next eight minutes on the mic, or 
he would wrestle a match and control the room with his mannerisms and the way he structured the match for the next 12 to 20 minutes, which was kind of a different thing than getting the Hulk Hogan pop or getting the Steve Austin pop where, so, so it was, it, it wasn't quite the same. It was, it was, it was a little different. Austin and Hogan were just a different level in terms of being able to pop a building more than anybody else I've ever seen. So um, I'm trying to think Cena wasn't at that level. No, 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 never. But again, this is a different argument than what you're talking about, which is, which is greatness at the craft of pro wrestling. Rather right. than right. Then star power. Yeah. This is one power. of the biggest stars yeah. I've ever seen. I'm talking about like that. That dude is better at this than everybody else. Like this guy is, is one of the best at doing whatever this thing is more than anybody. Yeah. yeah like the way I felt about LeBron many, many times throughout his career. I'm just like, holy crap. I'm watching like in real time. I'm watching the greatest player of all time. Like apply his craft. Like this is insane. This is crazy. You know, I'll be able to say this for generations later. I'll be able to say, yeah, you know what? I was able to watch him live. I was able to be at a game where he was at, you know, like stuff like that, 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 you know, it just hit me a little different watching that game and thinking, man, I wonder how many times I've, I've truly felt that way about wrestling. And I, I really thought about it and I thought my list was going to be a lot bigger. And then I realized, well, it shouldn't be that big. It should only be a couple people that you really truly think are in the, uh, the uh, another pantheon of, of, of greatness. So yeah, it, it's uh, both of us, you know, very, very small lists. And I'm, I'm curious what listeners you know, if they if they do that experiment as well, you know, in real time, watching a guy and thinking, man, that that dude is just the greatest at this thing that I've ever seen. You know, Anoki had that. He, um, you know, people are going to have a stroke. You know, going bonkers for this guy thing. But I didn't watch. I wasn't watching Anoki. Right, you were in wasn't watching in 1971 in Japan. So right. yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't say <laughs> that was all hindsight watching it later. But he also had that thing where crowds just completely got lost in themselves as soon as he would come out. Um, but again, yeah, you're, you, but again, this is who did we live through? So I can't, I can't put him in there. Right. And, and I think I, I and there's a few people in the no chat room saying like, well, as, as a kid, I really liked that. But I, as a kid, I don't think that people that you like as a kid can really cut. Cause you can't properly grasp the historical significance of people. I, I uh, lived in I, Chicago you- in the nineties with Michael Jordan. I never fully yeah. grasped what I was watching. I would, my parents were watching the bulls and I would go, yeah, the bulls. You know what I mean? I wore a bulls Jersey and I love the bulls, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was really watching. I didn't know what I was seeing. I just knew, ah, Michael Jordan's playing and the bulls are winning. Ah, they won another championship. Cool. Like you can't grasp that. You know what I mean? Like you cannot possibly as, as a nine year old grasp the historical significance of what you're seeing in front of you. You can as an adult, you can as a teenager, you know, like a late teenager. So that's why LeBron for me is different than Jordan where, yeah, I lived in Chicago in the nineties during Jordan. Yes, I should think, but like I just I wasn't watching Jordan that way. I, I wasn't I wasn't a, a student of the game like I am now where I'm like, holy crap, like what this guy is doing is just insane. And and, and yeah, same thing with wrestling. Like I, you know, I watched Bret Hart in 1995 or whatever, but I didn't I didn't know what I was watching. I was just like, hey, all right, cool. Bret Hart's cool. You know, like it's it, it, it's just different when you're an adult. Yeah. Um, Chris Russo always talks about he's like, if you were under the age of 12, it doesn't really count. Like, like you can't really say that you 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 understand. Yeah, you're an idiot. You're just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just you like to watch stuff and be there or like, whatever. Like, all right, you saw it, and maybe and maybe with the benefit of hindsight, you can you can now attach context to what you watched when you were ten, or when you were eight, or when you were six. But when you were ten or eight or six, you didn't have the context to attach to it. You're doing it retroactively. Whereas, you know, I guess that's a pretty good age to put it on because once you start hitting your teens, I think. 
that's when you can start understanding a little the historical context behind things yeah. and and everything. So, um, yeah. Well, there you go. Just something I was thinking about. It's, you know, 11 p.m. watching LeBron set an all-time uh, uh, NBA record there. So I thought it'd be an interesting uh, d- discussion for the flagship. So, yeah, curious what people think as well. Uh, let us know in the comments on, on YouTube or uh, go to the Discord, voice the slash Discord as well. Let us know what you think uh, about that. Don't tweet us because we're not going to look at it. And Twitter stinks. So um, do it otherwise. Do it. Do it other methods. So voice the slash Discord or, or go to those YouTube comments uh, and, and do it there. So um let's get to other wrestling joe um oh sorry real quickly you got a prediction for the big game mr Elef- nfl intelligentsia or are you just I mean, sitting down and watching do you because you, you don't do an nfl intelligentsia for the super bowl right now we shut it down um a week into the playoffs um nfl intelligentsia is totally dependent on how much wrestling shit i have to do like the wrestling's always going to come first you know, the NFL show, people really like it. And I think that uh, Jesse does a tremendous job. I think we play off each other very well. Um, but um, it's true bonus content. It's truly, um, you know, because the name of the game on on our paywall is wrestling. So, you know, um, you know, the one week we did the, uh, the Observer Hall of Fame reaction show on the night where I usually record the NFL show and then honestly, as the playoffs progress, there's less to talk about. And I'm like the opposite. I'd much, I'm someone who would much rather break down week four than talk about the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like that. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, to no. You, the week to week adjustments is a lot cooler than like, I, I get the same way about like playoff basketball. Once playoff basketball comes like, cause I'm really down to like, you know, regular season. Okay. This trend of this team and this, once the playoffs start, it's just like, I don't know, man, like they fucking play the games and things happen. Like, I just want to watch the games. Like that's kind of where I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get as into that. Like, whereas I'll, I'll, I'll discuss, you know, how a team is, is, you know, progressing in January or whatever in the NBA more so than like how they're in the playoffs. I just kind of, I don't know. It's like, yeah, the team's better than the other team. They're winning the playoff series. I, I don't know. I lose a little bit of the analysis aspect of it and just kind of want it, to be a fan again. It, it, like there's less to talk about with less games. I don't know. I, I'm more interested in like, well, especially like the down. Super Bowl. Like what? It, like who wants to hear you be like, yeah, I think the, in the trenches, I think the, Chiefs, sir. It's like you know, you know, shut up. Who oddly, cares, odd, like, oddly, oddly enough, Rich, this game will be decided in the trenches. But I see the point that you're making. Um, it's yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it's even look. It, it's a one and a half point spread, and I think that's fair because I think these teams are very evenly matched. Um, you know, I look. If you were going to put a gun to my head, I'm not betting against Pat Mahomes. I'll just put it that way. So if if I had to take a side, um. You know, if I had to put a sizable amount of money or something like that, I would I would take the Chiefs. But, um, you know, am I super confident in that pick? No, I am not. Well, does that kind of sum it up? It does. Yeah, I, I said the big game, and I forget we do not have to say the big game because we got we got DraftKings yeah, sponsoring the the Voice Wrestling podcast. And we could say Super Bowl, and we can also say uh, go to the DraftKings Sportbook. Use that code VOW. What do you do? Five dollars, and you get two hundred and free bet. Not for ah uh, ha ha. ha. 200 in bonus bets, right? Bonus bets. Don't bonus say the bets. other word. <laughs> so the F word. Don't say the F word. Can't yeah. say that. But uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, code VOW, uh, $5 and you get 200 in bonus bets. If you use that promo code. Right. So there you go. Yes. I forgot. We could say the Super Bowl. We, 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 I'm glad. Um, all right. Let's get to real sports instead of that bullshit football. Uh, let's talk about NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, the premium live event from the NXT brand. Uh 
yeah, I finished it and um, I didn't think it was bad. I also didn't think it was good. I, 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 I don't know. Did you think this was where, where, where did you stand on? I, I think there was some stuff to like about Vengeance Day and there was some other stuff that I absolutely hated and, and made me realize why I don't watch week to week NXT. Um, I thought Wesley Dijak was great. Yes. Yes. When that when that match opened up the show, I was like, all right, hold on a minute. We got a hot crowd because they're not in the performance center or the Capital Wrestling Center. They were in the, you know, the whatever the I don't remember what the arena is called. Where the Hornets play, the Charlotte Arena or whatever. So it was a hot crowd. It was a, a decent sized crowd too. So when that Wesley and Dijak match, and they went like 17 minutes and, and and it kicked ass. It was really good. And the crowd was hot. And I was like, all right, hold on a minute. This might be pretty fun. And uh that was the best match on the entire show, right? Would you agree? Oh, uh, not by even far. Close. I mean, not even close, I mean, right? Like far and away. Everything else kind of just existed. Um, you know, I thought Dijak was phenomenal in that match, and he spent most of it selling. He is a legit. What is he like? A, what's he a legit six five? Uh, what's he build at? Let me see what he's build at. I thought they used to. Well, somebody used to build him at six seven, and he's not six seven. Probably okay. not six seven. It right. says six seven here. He's not six seven. I think he's six five. Six four, six five. He, he's a he's a big motherfucker. He's, he's huge. Probably, Have you ever seen him in real in person? He's massive. He, and, especially at indie shows, you're like, who the fuck yeah. is that guy? Because <laughs> he is. Because most indie guys, like you, show up to an indie show and you're like, oh, all these guys are like my height. Like nobody is tall. Everyone's short. And then Dijak walks in the room, and you're like, that motherfucker's huge. So yeah, he he's is easy six four six five, easy, huge guy, and Wesley is not a big man at all. No. Wesley is <laughs> Wesley a, is one of those people that I said you walk in the room described. and you go, look at that guy, <laughs> that guy. Is you short, walk in so. and like, oh, all these guys are tiny. Yeah, uh, they, they still him at five ten. I, I can assure you, Wesley is not five ten. And even if he is, Dijak is still a, a, a much larger man than Wesley. But uh, Wesley really controlled. The majority of this match, he was on the offensive for most of this match, which was a weird way to structure it because you would think that Dijak, as the bigger guy, and as I guess he's the heel, it's hard to tell sometimes, but Wesley is firmly a babyface. We know that. Yes. But you would think that Dijak would have been beating him down and you would have done some hope spots. And, you know, th- that would be the obvious structure of a match like this, but it wasn't. Wesley was just a frenetic ball of energy the entire bout. And Dijak was bumping all over the place for this guy. Yeah, he made him look like a million bucks. And yeah, and even with the size disparity, it didn't look cartoonish at all. He he, like you just said, he made Wesley look great, and it really looked like Wesley was just beating the shit out of this guy, even though it was a lot of flippy doos. Right, and, it was, but it wasn't that that like ba- like you and I always were the only people on the earth that did not like like the Rey Mysterio title run where he was like the little tiny underdog yeah. that would just flip around and little little you know oh he's not you know you can't catch him because he's too fast and he's bouncing all over the ring and the tall guys are like whoa, whoa what do I do he's too fast or whatever that wasn't the case with this or match. or or Ray would just get beat up the whole match and win with a roll up or a banana peel and, <laughs> right that's and fucking sucked and that, that you know it really wore out its welcome quickly I, I yeah I didn't like that at all but anyway go ahead but that that wasn't how this match well it wasn't the traditional big man little man oh my god right. the little guy's faster and the big guys doesn't know how to keep up like they did a little bit of that but that wasn't the it was a fight like these dudes fought you know and wesley yes he had to use his his speed and his athleticism to, to beat dijack but it, for people that did not watch this match it was not your paint by numbers big man small man match at all no and i thought 
Dijak was super impressive in bumping around for a smaller guy and it not coming off like a mockery. It, it just it, it just looked like Wesley was the better fighter and and Dijak couldn't figure him out. And and I just thought Dijak was so good here. And it, and I'm and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, how does this company? He's been there like half a decade now, and they can't figure out what to do with a guy this big. And with a look who looks the way he does and can work like this, and they can't figure out something to do with this guy. Like we're back at step one. He's back in developmental trying a new gimmick again. I mean, what the fuck? This is a perfect example of the company being so big and having too many cooks. I mean, this is just a guy where you take a deep breath and you look at the tools he has and you just push him. you know, and, and, it's amazing to me that it's like they're just shrugging their shoulders and saying, all right, you're going to work openers in the developmental brand. Right, right. This is the ultimate. We have nothing for you, but you're yeah. too good to release. So just, yeah, work openers against Wesley. Have fun. I mean, my God, I would love to get my hands on this guy if I were a promoter or a booker or something like that. And, you know, maybe he still needs to find his charisma. I do think there's some truth to that. Like, you know, he has to find something in him. But he's got everything else. He's got the uh, the rest. The rest of it's like a cheat code with his look and his size and his ability and his athletic ability and the things he can do in the ring, you know, right down to his ability to sell like he did here. Um, I don't know. This is a guy I'd be putting resources behind. Like they should put as much effort into this guy as they put into Baron Corbin. Why does Baron Corbin get the effort he gets? Right. It, like. Clearly, this guy's upside is much higher. <laughs> right. And, and it's a classic example, too, of accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Okay. The guy's not a charisma magnet or whatever. That's fine. Then find a, give him a manager. Give, you know, in, in other eras of this company, in other eras of pro wrestling, they would see a guy like this that has almost all of the tools and say, all right, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. He doesn't have a ton of charisma, but that's fine. We can, we can work around that, but he's got, look at him. I mean, he's, he's this size. He's this, you know, he's, 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 he's good at, he's he's good at selling. He's good at offense. He looks like a million bucks. He's, he's got a big, you know, build. It's like, there's so many things you could do with this guy. And because of either a lack of effort or they just don't see it. Or like you said, the one aspect of him that isn't great, they just, you know, we got nothing for this guy. What are we gonna do with him? I thought this was the best WWE match of the year so far. I I, I couldn't think of a better one. So yeah, better than anything I saw at the Rumble for sure. There was nothing on the Rumble. Um, now, granted, I haven't watched every second of every TV, but I've seen all the stuff that people have pointed me to, um, and nothing was better than this. Nothing in NXT has been better than this. Um, I, I can't think of a better. If, if any of the listeners have a suggestion. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pull something up real quick. What was the date on? I know you're going to laugh at me, but Gunther. Well, I mean, it's Gunther, so it shouldn't be a surprise versus anyone, right? He had a match versus Braun Strowman on SmackDown. I want to see what the date was on. Okay, that was on January 13th. That wasn't as good as this Wesley Dijak match, but it was really fucking good. I've heard, I've heard one, good things about it. Okay, first of all, it's Gunther. And he's like money. He's never going to have a bad match. Braun, you know, it's funny. I like Dijak. I think like maybe the best thing he does is sell. That guy is so underrated selling. 
And and for a guy like who's a literal, his gimmick is that he's a monster. He's the monster among men. He's an absurdly huge human being. He's booked like a monster. He, you know, under pre- the previous regime, he was just taught to run through people. But I've watched him a couple times now on SmackDown against Gunther. And what has stood out to me about Braun Strowman is his selling. And it's it's weird because a guy that size, you don't really want him to sell that much. Right? Like, that's almost counter... Right. In another era, he, he gets to the back and people would yell at him for selling too much. Like, the Giant always used to get that. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, don't sell. <laughs> you should never be on your back. You're the Giant. Like, you should never be selling. Don't do drop kicks. Don't sell. Like, be be big. But, yeah, it, it is interesting with, with, with Strowman. I have noticed that uh, from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a really good Kevin Owens-Sammy Zayn match on that same SmackDown, but it ended with the DQ which really wasn't a bad finish because they were setting up stuff for the pay-per-view and it, it, it made sense. But it, but from just a strictly nerdy match quality perspective, it, it kind of, it hurt the match a little, but other than that, I mean, I, I don't think there's been a WWF Matt WWF since <laughs> 1983. There hasn't been a WWE match this year, better than Wesley Dijak for my money. I thought it was the best match on this show. And I think it was the best match in the company, you know, in the first 40 days of the year or whatever. Yeah, it was really, really good stuff. Uh, the 17 minutes flew by, too. I can't believe now looking at the match times, I I thought that the women's tag match was longer than this match, and somehow Wesley and Dijak was 10 minutes longer than the women's tag, which seems unbelievable. Uh, now, and I guess we'll get to that women's tag. It was uh, Fallon Henley and Kiana James uh, defeating the longest reigning women's tag team champions in WWE history, Katana Chance uh, and Caden Carter. Uh, Fallon Henley uh, rolls up uh, Katana Chance and Kiana James helps and holds her legs down and that's how they get the win and they're 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 still not quite on the same page but damn it, they're the champions now so it's like alright, cool, whatever. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know if this is a hot take in our world but I think it would qualify as a hot take in other corners of the world. The wrestling fandom, I guess. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Katana Chance and Caden Carter fucking suck. Oh, they I, oh, I do people think they're good? Yeah. Oh, no. They're bad. I I mean I've heard Dave Meltzer say that Katana Chances should be on the main roster. Um she can do like two or three spectacular things. And she did in this match she did an like it was like a springboard hurricane rana thing too. I I I think it was Keanu James she did it too. And it looked really good and it's like, "All right, cool." But like there's no other, there's no connective tissue at all with Katana Chan. She has no idea what she's doing in that ring other than like occasionally she can do something spectacular because she's a great athlete. But no, what? No. I, I watch them wrestle and, and they've been in the system for years now, these two. These aren't like some of these other people in NXT who are literal rookies. And yeah, they can do the moves, right? And I really hate to use this phrase because it's been co-opted by some of the worst people in the wrestling space, but they're make-believe pro wrestlers to me. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like they're not, there's nothing organic about what they do in the ring, especially on the mic. These two oh. are contenders for worst. Oh. <laughs> the, the promo before this was, you know, like I, I mentioned like Roxana Perez is, you know, her, her thing later, but yeah, you get Kat- Katana chance. It's like, well, 
we don't always see that eye, but we are the champions. And well, that, that speaks to uh, what we can do in the ring. And, and we, we've proven from day one that we're, you know, yeah, we, 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 we're, we're the best. And that's why we're still the champions. And, and it's like, okay, cool. Stop talking. That, that awful WWE speak. And they're even bad at it, though. That's the thing. They're like, so they're bad at it. Yeah, they can't, they can't deliver it. They, they're terrible yeah. at it. Yeah, it's so bad. Me and Katana are the longest reigning WWE Women's Tag Team Champions for a reason. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I see nothing brutal. in them. I, 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 I don't, I think they, they're just, everything about them is off-putting to me. I think they stink. Um, Fallon Henley, Kiana James, they're green as grass. They're rookies. I don't, what do you want me to say? I, I don't. <laughs> the backstory of them is incredible. You know, I do you just, think our listeners I, know the backstory of uh, of Fallon Henley and, and Kiana James or no? No, not our list. Not I mean most of them don't. So I mean, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're a weekly NXT viewer. So Fallon Henley, like I fucking hate NXT <laughs> with the passion of every burning sun. I hate NXT so much. So if I'm, it if is, I-, <laughs> I would watch a thousand hours of Raw. Before I would prefer to do that before I'd watch like a hundred hours of NXT. I fucking hate everything about Shawn Michaels NXT. <laughs> so like, but correct, you may continue. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Fallon Henley and or her family. I, I I don't know if it's ever been <laughs> clarified that she owns a bar, right? Is it her family yes. or is it her bar? Well, they're always in the fucking bar. Somebody owns the bar. Somebody owns a bar, and it's really a Fallon Henley. It's a uh, it's a honky tonk. It's a style. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's ridiculous. A, yeah, but uh, Joe, it's not doing well. It's in financial distress. So here comes Kiana James, and apparently she, despite being like twenty seven years old, is is a venture yeah. capitalist, and and she says, "Well, I will I will help you keep this bar alive." It's fucking. She and the dialogue to get here, and the dialogue to yeah. get to this point is absolutely absurd. So, first off, Kiana James is basically trying to portray a porn star. In the For early, people who don't know, Kiana Kiana James does the gimmick where she's about to do office porn. Yes, That's her she's gimmick. got glasses she, and cleavage, and she goes, hmm, "Be a real shame if your bar went out of business." <laughs> yeah, like, you know, right. while she's yeah. sitting on the table and showing off her legs, and you know, like. Like, like the implication here is that within a matter of minutes, Fallon Henley's going to be eating Kiana James's box. Right, right. That's like, in order like, to oh, keep her bar. I've heard your bar is not uh, doing well, and and Fallon yeah. Henley's like, well, "Who told you that?" Oh, I know. <laughs> it's just like you know, well, but I, I, well, I can well, make gee, it up to you. <laughs> well, gee, Kiana, I'll do anything to keep my bar <laughs> right, right. right with the Cowboys. Anything, uh, yeah, anything. Yeah. And, yeah, and then she's eating her box. Like that's, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm watching it, man. I'm in. Like, Rich is in. Rich I'm is in. in. I'm, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You, you love the office porn, and you love the the realtor porn. That's you. That's your jam, because you like women in professional clothing. You're Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, like these yeah, career, I, those career women. I like a, a good strong career woman. So yeah, when you when you do audio with someone for twelve years, you know what kind of porn <laughs> they like, right? And you nailed it. You got it. So. Yes. Yes. So anyway, that's what's going on. I don't know how the guys are involved. I guess maybe you can clarify that. But um, there's some like love triangle quadrant going on. I don't know what's going on with them. But uh, yeah. regardless, so yeah. uh, regardless, they are they are are misplaced. I, you can't you won't believe this in NXT. They're tag team partners, but Joe, they don't only really see eye to eye. No, no, they're opposites, Rich. They don't get along too well. <laughs> 
But sometimes opposites can uh, win the NXT Women's Tag Team Titles. Yeah, this match is not very good. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Best two out of three falls, Carmelo Hayes versus Apollo Crews. And, man, they hit this match over the head. They did a big video package about Apollo Crews coming back to NXT. I didn't realize he was there that long. I didn't realize he was in WWE since 2015. Did you you realize that? Yeah, I am Don Fuji. Goodbye. God damn. It's so long. I I vividly remember I am Don Fuji. Goodbye. And, like, us doing a show about that. I, I cannot believe it was that long ago. But. So you have Apollo Crews, a big story about, you know, he has unfinished business in NXT. And then Carmelo Hayes. I mean, they they just played like a 10-minute video about Carmelo Hayes and how they're trying to push him to the moon. And you've always said that, like, they think that this guy is is it. Like, they they really, truly think that this guy is is, is, it, is a top, top, top-tier star. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, after 23 minutes and he wins two falls to zero on Apollo Crews, they did a two out of three falls match and didn't have Apollo Crews win a fall. Carmelo Hayes beat both of them. Uh, I thought this match fucking sucked, and I thought the crowd hated it, and the crowd was bored out of their minds, and I mean, Carmelo comes out, and he looks like a million bucks, and he's got a great persona, and the video looks good, and the music looks good, and Trick Williams is a great hype man. Once that bell rings, man, I don't know about Carmelo Hayes, and I know you've you've said that for a while, that like you know that they think that he's a dude, and he's going to be a big-time guy. I, I don't. I don't want to call it shitting the bed, but man, I do not think this was a good performance for him. And he's getting that title shot. He he's the next big guy. He, you know, he wins this match, and then he you know in the main event after the main event is 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 you know staring down Braun Breaker. I don't think he's that dude. I, they want him to be that dude. I I don't know, man. I did not see anything out of him here. He um, I give him more of a chance now that Triple H is in charge because when Vince was in charge people were really fooling themselves with Carmelo Hayes. Cause he's like five, eight, you know, he, he's very, very short. Um, he'll have more of an opportunity with triple H. He does, I guess in WWE's way, he, he does exude some star power and some charisma and he's a good wrestler. Apollo Cruz. Um, he needs a change of scenery. he, you know, the, the, the Braun Breaker match was nothing special. This was a nothing match. He's had he had the opportunity on the main roster with the Nigerian gimmick or whatever it was. And granted that was an awful gimmick, but you know, awful stuff gets over on that roster sometimes. Um it just feels like he's spinning his wheels. Uh, you know, we remember when we made fun of him going to that place against Braun Breaker? Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that that's part of his like Titantron now? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The big eye. Yeah, he goes. Ah. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the, the yeah. that place. Yeah. So now he now he they like that because of course they did. So now he has to be the guy who makes the funny faces yep. with his eyes and his. Now he has to be that guy too. Um, and they brought back Babatunde, right? So they brought uh, yes. back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big. Uh, I know you're all wondering where where, where Dabo Kato Babatunde yeah. was, and he's back. So. <laughs> I guess he's not the Nigerian general anymore. No, he is not. Uh, and uh, my man Booker Huffman had no idea who this guy was. No, because <laughs> all oh, that guy's big. He has yeah. no clue. Yeah. He has no idea who that guy is at all. Booker, he was on the main roster for a year. My man he has no idea. <laughs> That's a tall drink of water right there. I tell you, he has no idea who he is. Poor Vic Joseph. Not a fucking clue. <laughs> Not a fucking clue. Um, yeah. So I don't. Yeah. This match was. Look, 
boring as they're, fuck. They're pushing Carmelo Hayes, so I was proud of them that they actually did two straight falls. Oh, that's not that. a yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll applaud them for that for sure. Um, but yeah, the match wasn't really any good, and Hayes has had good matches, and I, I do give him more of a chance now that Triple H is in charge. At least for now, who knows how long Tri- Triple H will be in charge. Um, but this wasn't the best showcase for Carmelo Hayes at all. And well, it wasn't for the dynamic was, either. It was like they were in a no, lot of rest yeah. holds, a lot of rest holds. And I'm like, right, I don't know if this was like, hey, kid, prove that you can work the main event style. And it's like, that's not like, again, that, that speaks to something that, that that company has done a lot of times over the years. And then an outdated thought of what that company. No, work your style, whatever you do that gets the crowd excited about your match. Like, fuck the dogs main event style. No, go out there and get a crowd excited. And that. I've seen Carmelo Hayes do spectacular things in this match. He did nothing spectacular at all. He was sitting in a wrestle most of the time. It's it's just, yeah, it was very weird. Well, I mean, the other thing with the two straight falls is I guess they knew they were bringing back Baba Tunde, so Cruz was going to you know get his heat back or whatever. So um, I don't know. Now, Trick Williams was a guy I was really high on, but they have done nothing to develop him. They've Does he like not to wrestle at all? Can he not wrestle? Is he injured? What's the what's the deal with him? He, he just he just almost never wrestles. I don't hmm. I don't understand why. Look. How long has the, the performance center has been open? Like ten years, right? Yeah, well, I thought twenty thirteen was the. I mean, let's yeah. let's so, clarify. I, I'm almost positive twenty thirteen is when it opened, but let me. Let me I mean, clarify. yeah, July July twenty thirteen. This guy has wrestled thirty eight matches in his life, and you know they've got him on the house shows now at least, but it's just not enough work. You know, and this is a guy with a great look. He's got natural charisma. He's great at he being was, the hype man too for for Carmelo. It, it's a it, the act is cool. It's good. He's a he's a good talker who could be who clearly ha, can be developed into an even better talker if you give him some more time on the mic. He's a natural talker with some clear upside. He's a, he's got it all. He's not getting the reps and working against Miles Bourne and Ru Feng. And, uh, you know, Otto, uh, Otto Mensa on the road, other guys who can't wrestle either. <laughs> you made up at least two of those three names. No, Oro Mensa is a real guy. <laughs> okay. Um, Ru Feng is a Ru real Feng guy. is not a real guy. No. I, Ruf that's Rich. a primal rage character. No, that's not a real guy. Ru Feng <laughs> is, is not a fringe character from Mortal Kombat 8. He's a real guy. Ru Feng. He's real. He's a real WWE wrestler. So is Miles Bourne, believe it or not. Rich, these are real men. Yeah, that that one, that one I believe, but I also think you're making up. Rufang is is completely fabricated, and then I forget even what the first name was. But sir, I reviewed Miles Bourne debut against Guru Raj on Level Up last year. <laughs> so that is behind the paywall. So don't you dare tell me that these are fake men. These are real men. My point here is. What are they learning wrestling each other once a week on the road, right? It's like they have these guys in the warehouse, and this is why none of them really get any better. You know, you, you, you gotta they gotta work more, and it, and a guy like Trick Williams is now twenty eight years old, and he's still just a literal greenhorn super rookie. I mean, shit or get off the pot with these guys. Do the fucking breakup angle. And get him in the ring and let him sink or swim. Let's go. What are we doing? The guy's been running in place with the, you know, for this is a developmental show. Develop people. 
Isn't that the point? I, yeah, I don't know. They should be doing different gimmicks and turning on each other and just, it doesn't fucking matter. None of this has to be cohesive or make sense. It's a developmental show. Try things. They should all be trying different things all the time. Now that we're not, now that, like before we were pretending it was a developmental show when everybody was 38 years old and were some of the best wrestlers in the world. Now it's a real developmental show. So treat it like one. Yeah, and, and even when you see these people wrestle, it's all like they're all doing the same thing and the same stuff. Yeah, it's just I don't want to. It's a different show for a different day, but yeah, that that whole that whole thing there is a fraud. You know, that whole performance center is just an absolute fraud. It could be so good in, in the right hands with the right idea. You you, you you have all these rings, you have all this equipment, you have all these people, you have all these resources, and it's just they're teaching everybody to do the exact same thing. Or it's just yeah, yeah. It, it, it's absurd. And the results speak for themselves. There are barely any after having 10 years of, of, of people. You have, you know, a couple of names that people can bring up, uh, you know, the same names that get brought up all the time. And it's like, yeah, none of those. I mean, that, Bianca Belair is great. Yeah, cool. Okay. But like this thing costs millions of dollars for 10 years. And you have, you know, four or five people that you can actually truly say were, were, were developed by it. And, and yeah, so many of these people. Nah, the, result, just, the results are horrible. They're, they're I mean, awful. The yeah. results are horrible. Because people, you, you'll say that and people go, what about Bianca Bella? Okay, well, they've had 10 years and they've invested yeah, name someone else of dollars. <laughs> like, <laughs> name someone else. And by the way, she just had one of the worst matches of the year on at the Royal Rumble. So, yes. Yeah. You know, I like her. And but I the, like no, her this thing should be one, developing but... people like they, they should be having too many people. They should have more yeah. people than they could possibly handle. And, and that's right. not the case. Right. And the two hottest people going into the uh, uh, WrestleMania are 40. <laughs> right. <laughs> the son of Dusty Rhodes and El Generico are the two most popular guys. Yeah. yeah. They're the two hot guys going into WrestleMania. So, yeah. Or, yeah, a skinny, uh, a skinny redheaded guy that uh, cut his teeth on the indies for, for yeah. 15 years. And then, the, yeah. The son and was of already Rhodes. one of the best in the world when they <laughs> right, hired him. Right. Yeah. And then the son of Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um,. NXT tag team title fatal four way. <laughs> it was uh, our boys Gallus, who Booker T just decided that he loved Gallus, much to the dismay of one Vic Joseph. Who <laughs> this? I felt so bad. Vic Joseph was so you. I, I don't know if you noticed this. He was getting annoyed at Booker T because Booker T just had no idea what was going on. Doesn't know any of the stories. Doesn't know who people are supposed to be. Doesn't know who he's supposed to be rooting for or who the heels or who the baby faces are. He's just like Vic. All right, Gall- those Gallus guys. I love them. And Vic's like, I can't believe you like Gallus. Do you really like Gallus? <laughs> like trying yeah. to say like, look, no, you're not supposed to. He's like, oh, coffee and gang, coffee and wolf gang. Those my boys. It's yeah. Like- has and, no idea who they are. No yes. idea who they are. Then he started like ragging on the New Day and Vic Joseph's like, well, the New Day, uh, Booker, they're, they're one of the most, you know, decorated tag teams in WWE history or whatever, trying to get them back on the rails and, and just, yeah, Booker just decided now. Quiet, Rich. Quiet, Rich. What? <laughs> I can't hear it. The new mic doesn't pick it up very well. Yeah, I can't. I'm sorry. How can you not hear it? It's not. The new mic doesn't pick it up well. I know. Your old gimmick of playing the stuff, the, the new mic just doesn't do it. Well, this is one for the road because they don't use this. They don't use anymore. it anymore. They use a derivative of it, but it's it's not the same. We we know. The tr- the real heads, the real Gallus heads, the, the day one-ish Gallus fans, we know. We know what it is. You know, 
down since day one ish or whatever the Usos used to say. We we know, and this is this ain't it. Yeah, R.I.P. to the uh, the original Gallus theme. That's so. the last time ever, and obviously we're going to get flagged for copyright, and we're not. Gonna <laughs> no, be- it was so unlistenable. I no, I think we're going to be good. There's no way they're going to be able to hear that one. How can the new mic not pick it up when theoretically the new mic is better than the old mic? Uh, it's, and- I don't want to have to get into it, but. It doesn't make sense. The new mic should be picking up anything that's in the room, right? Because no, no, it's a microphone. They're they're more designed for talking into and voices and that sort of stuff. I put the fucking phone right up against it. I don't know what to tell you. I know it hurts. I I don't know what the next time you do a match game thing. I don't know what we're gonna do. It's gonna be a disaster. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to have a soundboard and. I'm going to have to tell you that it's time for a surprise game and you're going to have to hit it. Yeah, it's not going to be much of a surprise, though. So. It's not the same. No, it's really not. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll talk I don't about understand it. if you can hear my voice. <laughs> I don't want to get in. It doesn't make any sense. Talk to Dan Franks. He, he's the one that sent you the microphone. He's an audio wizard. He'll tell you. I already, I already thanked him. Well, ask him why I can't play stuff on my phone anymore. So. Yeah, why does yeah, why won't it pick up the audio coming out of the phone? The mic doesn't know whether that's coming out of my mouth or coming out of the phone. <laughs> well, how would it know? What's it what's it? A fucking sentient being, the fucking mic, it knows <laughs> the difference between this is coming out of the man's mouth and this is coming out of the fucking a, a, a device. The mic can't know that. How does the mic know that these words right now aren't coming out of the phone? Oh, they're very clear. They're very clear and obvious, and you're 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 pointing your mouth towards the. I understand you put the speaker, I put the speaker of your phone, right up but on the phone there. speakers are not very good. They're very, they're 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 crummy. So okay, it's it's fine. It's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll talk to Dan. Fucking thousand dollar phone, crummy fucking output. <laughs> get Andrew Rich on the on the line. We'll figure it out. We'll get some audio wizards out there. We'll we'll get you back. We'll get you back. Don't worry. Anyway, this four way sucks. It's fucking sucked. Gallus one. I I, don't, I I also have to say this. I once had a lot of hope for Thea Hale. Oh. How annoying is she? The like, worst. I, yeah. Awful. Just everything you hate about this company rolled up into a spunky four foot 11 ball. I cannot stand her. Screaming and the entire time. It's not even. Okay. It's not even necessarily the gimmick. I don't even know how to. The gimmick sucks this. too, but yes. Yeah, it does. It's horrible. Um, and I don't care if a hundred people in the building go crazy for it, and we're pretend like we just talked before. Anything that gets a modicum of a reception now is ah, listen to that pop. She's over a <laughs> hundred people in the yeah. performance center. Went, um, yeah. I don't know. I just I. She's being taught all the the bad WWE shit and there, there's no hope for her. There's no hope. She's just so her gimmick and her, her application of the gimmick is just so go away heat to me and annoying that I'm out on her now. I, I, I I've changed, I've changed my mind, Rich. 
I want her off my screen at all yeah, times. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, Chase U has, has kind of jumped the shark for me as well. I think I'm done with the uh, the Chase U thing. It was, it was, oh, I never liked him to begin with. Yeah, there I, was parts that I thought was kind of funny about the ad, but now it's totally lost. I mean, we're we were a couple years into this now, and it's it's just completely lost. It's uh, you gonna uh, put that on the main roster? How two thousand? No. How two thousand six is that? I, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gonna feud him with the fucking male cheerleaders? The fucking uh, what were they called? The fucking varsity squad. The, what the fuck? <laughs> Spirit squad. Spirit squad. I mixed them up with the varsity club somehow. They couldn't be more different. <laughs> Very different. Yeah, significantly different. Wouldn't you love to see the varsity club just <laughs> Can you imagine the Spirit squad? Rick Steiner, like especially that era, like I, yeah. like that era, mid South Rick Steiner. This the best dumb jock ever. I mean, oh, they'd fuck him up so bad. Rick, Rick, Rick Steiner and, and Dr. Death versus Andre Chase and Thea Hale. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if listen, if you were running an indie and you booked Rick Steiner and Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Andre Chase and Thea Hale, people would tweet the take all my money gif and be like, yeah, hell yeah, I can't wait for Thea Hale to take it to Dr. Death. That's where we're at now. Right, indie. right, right. Yeah. right uh since i always like uh uh, keeping notes on booker t uh he said i don't know who these guys are but they passed the airport test about pretty deadly (laughs) (laughs) he said i don't know who they are but those two guys (laughs) passed the airport test (laughs) and vic went you think those guys passed the airport test because they're like skinny. We, they, yeah, they're not yeah. meant to pass the airport test. You know what I mean? Not, like, I don't think Booker knows what the airport no, test he is. he doesn't. He has no idea. I also loved his declaration that I don't know who those guys are. But like, how do you not know them? I don't know who these former tag team champions of the show I commentate on are. But they pass the airport test. Yeah. Elton Prince and Kit Wilson airport test. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, All right. Then we have the NXT Women's Triple Threat match. Roxanne Perez, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane. This is the, as I said, the pre match promos were just absolutely horrific. Brutal. Uh, It's it's Roxanne doing her, you're not going to bully me. This is the thing that I have always wanted to do my entire life is be a WWE superstar. And now I am the WWE NXT Women's Champion. And you will not take that away from me, even though you guys are bullies. Yeah. God. Yeah. The Gigi and JC being like, this has never been about you. It's about us. It's like, what is this show? Yeah, it's so bad. Who watches this? I'm telling you, it's the worst. It's it's, NXT is so bad. It's it's yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Um, Forget this match, because who cares? Did you see? Yeah, it's stupid. Move on. Did you see my girl Toxic Attraction 3? Barbershop window, GG. Oh, and stiff the fuck. Yeah. So first off, not a, not a, apparently not a gimmick door. Like Bailey needed for for the boom, boom room or whatever the hell she calls her thing. Like she needed uh, like a real door. They, I think they thought it was gimmicked. That, um, that was a work. That wasn't a working door because poor Gigi gets fucking railroaded in that door. Just go. Burn. It just makes like the loudest noise ever. What? And, hold on. Hold on. Let's let's rewind. What did you call ding dong? Hello. What did you call I it? called it? The boom, boom room. <laughs> it's not the boom, boom room. It's ding the dong boom, hello. boom room. What the fuck? I I worked in a restaurant that shall not be named. 
that had an upstairs office that was also called the Boom Boom Room. Oh, you can put <laughs> you can put together. two and two together. I will do that. Yeah, I, I've put um, them together. So, uh, you know, I will not name the establishment. Um, but uh, no, it is it is not the Boom Boom Room, Rich. It is Ding Dong Hello. <laughs> right, but uh, yeah, it was a a shoot door uh, on Ding Dong Hello. Uh, so she throws her into the door. It just goes <laughs> like it doesn't move at all. The door does it. It just and then JC Jane goes to do a kick and just fucking Kawada kicks her right in the face. <laughs> she had a she had a boot print and a bruise on her yeah, face. Yeah, I was like, like holy like, shit, toxic attraction number three, slow down. <laughs> I almost got into it. I was like, hold on a minute, this might be awesome. So and, and Gigi's crying and maybe real tears after yes. salt she took. Uh but yes. then unfortunately it is NXT. So JC had to say, It was never about us. Yeah. <laughs> it was always about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. We yeah, almost had have, something there. We almost had something there, but <laughs> it's NXT, so they have to screech at each other. Yeah, they, right. that, you know, they, they, that has to happen at some point and ruin it. Um, yeah. So either the door was like locked, or the theory in our chat right now is that they had the door set up the wrong way, so it, it actually opened in the other direction. Oh, and they were ex- okay, okay, all right. <laughs> so they were expecting her to go through the door. But the door was turned around, so she actually was throwing her into the hinge side of the door, right? That door didn't open, I'll tell you that. Either way, Gigi Dolan took a fucking beating. And honestly, it was one of the coolest things that I've seen. Fucking rocked, yeah. In NXT in a really long time. And then JC's doing Um, like a very safe worked kick to her and just fucking unloads on her, uh, the side of her face. And it looked, and they were zoomed in too. It was fantastic yeah it oh yeah she yeah i mean it was just you know and i turned the corner on toxic attraction three uh several she was the best ago. in the triple threat the triple threat match she was way better than she was she was way better I mean, than Gigi. and i mean you and i are the only two people on earth that don't that don't think like roxanne perez is like the greatest women's wrestler of all time you know people yeah. i she's fine she's fine yeah she's fine um but yeah no i thought so too i i i you know, JC Jane, she just really turned the corner. Yeah, nobody Hiko Takeda, <laughs> JC Jane, I'm into it. Yeah, so. I mean, if she keeps, yeah, if she keeps braining people with the bottom of her boot, <laughs> right. I mean, a cure Maeda <laughs> representative. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. <laughs> she's gonna keep shooting up my power rankings. I can tell you that. But um, no, I mean, Priscilla Kelly really improved a ton right before she signed. She had a really good match against Chris Dickinson on the beach for Game Changer in Atlantic City, one of those outdoor shows during the pandemic. And she had a really good match on, remember those old UWN live pay-per-view deals that died quickly against Thunder Rosa, I think it was. And then she signed. And um, she hasn't really recaptured that yet in NXT and Roxanne Perez. I mean, I, I do think she's, she's pretty good, but she's I good. But yeah, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit and go a little overboard on her. I mean, she's, she's fine. I mean, look, and I, and I get it. She's got a, you know, a good look and I guess by their standards, she can talk because she talks the way they want her to talk. And I don't have any doubt that she's going to be on the main roster soon and all that, but I don't think she's just prodigal and can't miss, you know, talent that a lot of other people do. And, you know, she might get there. But I, I think JC Jane really has something. I do. I, I, I mean, I, I at first I thought, you know, she's going to be someone that we'll forget about. She's going to get cut in six months and then we'll forget she existed like half these other people in NXT. But 
um, she's really coming along. It, it's, you know, sometimes these people do develop in developmental, but she's on TV every single week and she's in the ring a decent amount. And some of these other people, they just don't give them reps. You can't get any better if you don't get any reps. Yeah, she got a good look too. She's she's taller than a lot of the, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. solid. Yeah, I, I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing something there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some potential. And then uh, uh, the main event steel cage match, uh, Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller. I don't. I mean, that was kind of boring. Oh yeah, very dull. I mean, Braun's yeah, not it, good. I, I I this is the Braun book. I yeah. mean, he just every time out, it's like a broken record. Like he looks the part and. He does some cool shit and he's got like good fundamentals and decent tools, but he just doesn't have a ton of charisma between the bells. It just evaporates and it's the same story every time. And um, a lot of the time he's outshined by his opponent. Um, You know, they did a cage match here, but I mean... I, I don't know the cage. They did some spots, obviously. Yeah, they did you know, like a spear into the cage and kind of hit each other on the cage, but it didn't like it wasn't a match that needed to be in a cage. Yeah, and 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 Grayson Waller is another guy. I mean, why is he here? I mean, he's a finished product. Either put him on the main roster or let him go. I mean, what else do you? What, how? What more does he need to develop? What's he lacking? And if you don't think he's worthy of a main roster spot, okay, I understand. Well, then what, what's he going to be in NXT until he's 40? He's got to be in his 30s, right? Grayson Waller. We do this a lot because, yeah, we always try to check in with him. I believe he's 33. Let me let me, let me, let me see if I could figure that out. He is 32, 32. I mean, he, he, was, he was close to a finished product when they signed him. You know, and he's the best guy there. I mean, to me... He's probably the best male wrestler in NXT. Well, Dijak's there now. Um, right at the top. You know, oh, and he's sure. 32. Oh, sure. And I mean, you know, in, in, in a functioning world where people don't overstay their welcome and your developmental is feeding your main roster and you're not letting talent get stale, he would replace either Dolph Ziggler or The Miz and have that role for the next five to ten years. Do I think he's a WrestleMania main eventer? I do not. Do I think he can do what Dolph Ziggler does? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he could do it right now. And he, he's doing I, it right now in NXT. Yeah, he could absolutely fill in that role. But But those guys never leave, and the next generation never comes up. So we're just kind of in this perpetual spinning our wheels. I hate to be a, a, a corporate capitalist scum, but why are you paying Dolph Ziggler and The Miz millions of dollars when you can just let their contracts run out and call this guy up to do the same job for 500000 It's money ball, right? It's a market inefficiency. Rich is, Rich is tugging the collar. Cause no, no, I, I'm with you. I, 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 it's, I'm trying to you know, contextualize because that's how it would have done for, for many, many, many years in, in, in a lot of wrestling. is like where if you had a, a certain type of character that you wanted, you would cycle through a bunch of people that played similar-ish characters because, yeah, there's no point in paying Dolph Ziggler $2 million to be uh, a chicken shit heel. Like you could just find another chicken shit heel. You know what I mean? Like there's no, the Miz is like, what? I mean, I get the Miz. I almost get a little bit because he's like shows up to like 
celebrity all-star games and stuff like that. So you know, if you think, but Dolph Z- like, what are you getting out of Dolph Ziggler anymore? What what uncovered gem are you possibly going to get out of Dolph Ziggler that you haven't had an opportunity to get over the last twelve years? Like, hell, he was in the Spirit Squad. <laughs> you just mentioned the Spirit Squad in two thousand six. Guess who was in the Spirit Squad? Dolph Ziggler was in the Spirit Squad. Like, they just yeah. It's it, it it in any other like you said a well functioning wrestling company you would you tell Dolph all right well we you know this is a great run we had a decade okay you're out and then yeah, Maddie Walber Grayson Waller would fit in that role tomorrow and and it would just but whatever. How yeah, else would we get Dolph Ziggler in his twenty first Royal Rumble without you know him never yeah, leaving? So yeah, yeah. But we get a lot of for whatever reason this show does attract a lot of like Karl Marx Wikipedia pagers, which is a, the most bizarre outcome. Like I don't know. Yeah, why are you listening like, to us? <laughs> but the, the, the like the leftists like a lot of them listen to this for some reason, despite my presence. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I think a lot of them get that I'm kind of that I kind of needle them as a bit. So I think they like that. Um, the ones that don't get me, they've, they've been run off years ago, but for whatever reason, we do attract a lot of those. Lot so of they them. probably, yeah, yeah. they probably don't like hearing that. I'm like, this is inefficient. Just get rid of the fucking expensive guys and hire the cheap. Yeah, but it's also you Dolph Ziggler, I mean? man. Like who could really like Dolph Ziggler anymore? Like even the most, even they would probably say, yeah, you know what? You should redistribute that wealth to other people that are not Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> yeah, like, you know? yeah. 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 Like pay See, three people to do what Dolph Ziggler is doing is what they should do. That's right. You can give three jobs to three of these NXT guys at the expense of one. You can send Dolph Ziggler to the Gulag. See? Yeah, or, I, or, I'm helping you here. Yeah. Right. See. See what I'm what I'm saying really is very much uh, you know <laughs> it, it, this this jives with the uh, leftist views because I'm giving. I'm increasing. I'm giving two extra jobs here right. for the same amount of uh, money. Um, and and Ziggler, you know, he can, he can, he can go to the uh, guillotine with the landlords, and we can, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we can give three people his one job, right? For exactly. The same money. Right. Right. So, there you go. That's why they listen to this show because I, because you come around, you eventually come around to it. So Joe Lanza is nothing if not, you know friendly to the leftists and the uh Karl Marx Wikipedia pages and the wolves. <laughs> I I vibe with these people uh tremendously with like the point I just made about Grayson Waller. Right, yeah, so exactly. Um that was the boring NXT main event. <laughs> yeah and that was a boring NXT uh review. I hopefully uh, someone someone should send Braun Breaker to Siberia because I'm tired of watching them. Yeah, yeah and they they're I mean there's nothing happening there man. Do they still send people to Siberia, or is that like not a thing? Do <laughs> I don't anymore? think that's a thing. <laughs> but I don't know. Too close to Russia right now, I think, or, or it's in Russia, right? So yeah, you can't. Siberia, yeah, yeah. Like, wouldn't they send their their the worst of their prisoners to like Siberia? Oh, to... uh, oh, yeah. Actually, they they still do. I think, uh, I think they that, still do. I that, think right? that recently came up during the Brittany Griner thing. That uh, that's where she was. But they were holding her in Siberia. I don't know if they actually put her there, but there was a threat that that's maybe where she would be going. Was she like living off seal meat? Like I, the uh <laughs> I don't know. Remember when Luke Skywalker in, in Empire at the beginning of Empire Strikes <laughs> true Back? Story, yes. a, a, a notable true story. <laughs> Star yeah, had, Wars, yeah. He had to cut open the fucking gimmick, his pet that he was riding there. Yeah. And and, and for the warmth, right? They didn't have Griner out there with like eating seal meat or anything, did I, they? I don't like, know if she ever actually got there before they were like Luke All right, Skywalker in Empire. <laughs> Clearly the best of the Star Wars movies, right? 
I don't know. Like, I enjoy the Star Wars movies, but I'm not a fucking nerd about the Star Wars movies. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like, I, I'm with you too. Yeah, I, I, I used to like when I was younger. I thought because I would like watch them and stuff. I was like, oh man. And then like I found about the internet, and I was like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Not, yeah, I just think they're like sucks. cool yeah. movies. That's about the extent of my, uh, you know. I just like Han Solo making wisecracks. Is that okay? Yeah, a little Lando. Yeah, 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 I like Lando. Yeah, Lando's a cool dude. So, you know, like, uh, you know, like when Leia's like. I love you. And Hans is like, I know. Like, that's a great fucking line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, can I just enjoy that aspect of it? And like the fucking action scenes and stuff and not have to be all fucking geeky about it. You know? So like, there's probably people in the chat who know what that creature is called that Luke had to that are getting off so upset right now that we don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whatever. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's uh, that's the end of NXT. Let's uh, never speak of it again. <laughs> but uh, um, all right. So we have a few different ways to go. You want to go to New Japan for wrestling or you want to go to the National Wrestling Alliance? Joe, where do you want to no, go? The, the NWA has to be last. I, mean, <laughs> I, what I agree. I agree. OK, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Quite, uh, quite frankly, they're lucky we bother. Right? We okay? really shouldn't. But. So, you know, we have to maintain the gimmick. I understand. But quite frankly, they're very lucky that someone bothers to cover <laughs> right, this. If it wasn't us, it's so, not going to be anybody else. So, Other than their state-sponsored podcasts that they have, no one else even bothers. I'm not sure if they even bother with that anymore, do they? Yeah, they do. Oh, because there used to be one. Is that the same one? Yeah, this is the NWA or whatever it's called. Okay, that one's still yeah, going? Oh, good correct. for them, I guess. Yeah, it's right there on their fucking YouTube page. And they don't even pretend that it's not. <laughs> that's not a state Which is fine. I mean, that's, I yeah, mean, go for at least it. Yeah, if, yeah. Yeah, if, if that's, you know, um, you know, like Ryan Satin likes to pretend that he's not, you know what I mean? Like these guys, they're just, no, yeah, we work for the fucking company and do their podcast. And this is uh, propaganda. But, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if, 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 if that's full disclosure, then I don't, you know, fucking cares. You know, then I just won't listen to it, but it's fine. Why do you got me ranting about the NWA podcast? Yeah, that's 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 for later. Let's uh, let's get we into are the NWA. This is yeah, we are. NWA I don't know because you, yeah, you're giving credit to another NWA podcast, and they did they talk about Big Daddy Yum Yum? No, they didn't. No, they did not. And they're going to get a solid twelve minutes at the end of this show. I can promise you that. Right? Did so. they? Did, did are, are were they in the DMs with one Bruce Tharp? No, they were not. All right. No, no, they were not. No, things they were not doing. Those things. Did they interview Rob Conway on the on the path towards his enemy? No, they didn't. I don't I don't recall that. No. They're Johnny, they're Johnny come lately's is what they exactly. are. Exactly. Right, right, right. So all okay. Right. Let's touch on New Japan. Uh we've got about a half an hour, so we'll we'll go quickly here with New Japan Pro Wrestling's the new beginning in Sapporo shows night one and night two. I did not watch the undercards of this. I just watched kind of the business ends. Both match uh, both shows had uh three uh prominent matches, so I watched Three matches on each, so I watched uh, starting with the junior heavyweight tag titles on night one, uh, and then the main tag team titles on night two. But uh, did you watch any of the undercard? Uh, is there anything worthwhile to touch on those, or we should just talk about the business end? Yeah, like Ren Narita teams with Despi and and Minoru Suzuki, and um, he was in an eight man tag both nights. The first night with Rohei Oiwa, and the second night with Yuto Nakashima was the fourth partner. And what they're doing is. Narita is teaming with Suzuki and Despi, but he doesn't necessarily trust them. So Suzuki will want to tag him in to like pick apart the bones of some guy he just beat up and Narita like won't tag in. So they're doing like that kind of gimmick where Narita is teaming with these guys, but he's very wary of them. 
after, you know, years and years of Suzuki goon terrorizing everybody. So, um, that's one thing to keep an eye on. TMDK has a new theme song. Well, I guess you heard that when they had their tag title yeah, match yeah, the yeah. next night, which totally fits with their frat boy. Oh, it is. Uh, I, it is the most, they, they nailed the aesthetic perfectly. It's total frat douchebag music. I love it. Yeah. Um, and really on the undercards, um, you know, they're, they're starting to heat up Hikuleo J. White. Uh, if for people on, on New Japan World right now, and actually it's free, you don't even need to be a subscriber, there's a pretty good three-minute, um, I guess you would call it, hype video for the J. White, Hikuleo, Loser Leave Town match that really goes through the history of the feud. And um, I thought they did a really good job with that. So um, that's something worth watching because it's only going to take up two or three minutes of your day. And um, other than that, now the undercards that those are the most notable things we could talk about the business ends. Uh, so night one, a uh, big uh, match started here with the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match: Catch Two Two, obviously Akira and TJP versus Just Four Guys, Dookie and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Unfortunately, Just Four Guys weren't able to win this match. Catch Two Two uh, keeps the titles, but this was a hell of a match. I loved this match. I hope you did. I I I don't even say hope because I feel like I know you did, but I guess I should ask. Did you like this match? Because this match rocked. No, it's great. Okay. I mean, catch. <laughs> Catch two two. They're one of the I'm best tag to... teams in the world that nobody is talking about. Like they're you are listening and you're probably like, ah, I, they're better than you think they are. No, they're they're one of the best tag teams in the world, and also I'm ready to say that they're the best IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, like in my memory. Who's been better than them? I mean, you'd have to go back had... to like Bucks and Red Dragon and stuff like that. I I, I would yeah, say. but even then, I don't think. Those were great teams that had like great matches, but they had a lot of three way matches. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And none of them had really like substantial reigns. This team has had a long reign. They had a good tag league. They have good defense. They have excellent defense. They're, they're going in the notebook. Like every time they have a, a big time match, it's like going in the notebook. I mean, they. This is the best junior tag champs that this that they've had maybe in Gato's entire run, maybe since two thousand eleven. Um, maybe Apollo 55 or something like yeah, that. And, if you want to go way they're, back. they're a pure tag team too. Like it's just tag wrestling. You know what I mean? Like it's not even yeah. like a, it's just, they go out there and they just work. They're just a tag team that just goes out there and works. Like, yeah, it might be Apollo 55 is like in, in terms of a pure tag team. We're probably on that level right now with them. Yeah. And you know, you'd have to go back maybe to, you know, maybe Devitt and Taguchi when they were feuding with uh, Saban and Shelley, like, maybe one of those teams from that because while some great teams have come through, this has been maybe the best title reign during this era of new Japan. So yeah, they've been great. And this was great. And I thought Yoshinobu Kanemura was great in this match. Dookie was great in this match. This, this is the best. Match. Yeah, this is the best I've ever seen Dookie look. And, and, and he's dude, he's so over too. This is awesome to watch. I mean, this crowd wanted them so badly. They wanted Dookie to get this win, get this pinfall and, 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 and win those titles. And it was so, cause yeah, it was a full cheer crowd or whatever. So yeah, when they didn't do it, it was so deflating, but deflating in all the best ways possible where the crowd was just like, damn it. It's like, we really wanted it. So yeah, I, I, I thought this was an awesome, awesome match. I think the next match, a little bit you know, right on there, but uh, I think this. I think I like the junior heavyweight tag match more than I like this next match, which is wild because I really, really like this next match, and it's Will and, and, and Taichi. Uh, and this was one of the better Taichi performances I've ever seen. And Will is is Will Osprey. I mean, what more do you say? But uh, I love this match, but I, I honestly still think that that junior tag I liked a little bit better. 
don't know if it's yeah. a hot take or anything, but no, I I thought that um, I thought this match was fucking great. I, I borderline match of the year level great. I thought that um, Will Ospreay's new gimmick seems to be that I'm just gonna let people beat the living shit out of me. He took a Ganso bomb in this match. What <laughs> yes, the fuck? Yeah, you don't don't do that. You don't. Need is to he a psychopath? That. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. You can die taking that move. For people who don't know the origin of this fucking thing, okay, um, it essentially began as a botch. Like most of these, most of the Ganso bombs that have happened have been botches. Like when the guy can't get the guy up for the power bomb and he just fucking drops him on his neck. Like, you know, obviously, you know, it, it got over as sort of this um, killer kind of deal where it's like um, a super finisher, kind of like the burning hammer or something like that. But, um, and you know, and then it, but it, in reality, like it should, it should probably never be done. Like the, 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 the margin for error on this fucking thing is incredibly slim, but I, you know, and obviously Taichi, um, with co- connections to Kawada and everything, um, he fucking did it to well. I think he did one. If I'm not mistaken, the Tanahashi though, a few years ago, someone in the chat might be able to confirm that. So I don't think it's the first time that Taichi has done one in new Japan. Because for, for I, I for some reason I remember Tanahashi taking one. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think he's he's busted out a few times just to like you know in in, in the the O to Kawada type of thing or whatever. But yeah, it's it's rare. Obviously, it very rarely happens. But it is. It's I don't usually get like squeamish during wrestling moves. Like there are a lot of people who are like oh no, but like the Gonzo bomb does because it's like there's no room for air. <laughs> like you were just landing on the top of your head or and compressing your spine to your entire body like it, it's it's fucking horrific it, it, it and then yeah of course will just says yeah fucking in a random in a semi-main event against taichi on night one of new beginning in sporo yeah sure I'll, I'll take that no problem he probably i mean he probably was looking he he may have asked for it. probably i mean yeah. knowing knowing the history and everything because you know um but yeah no i thought this match was great i thought they kicked the living shit out of each other and i thought it was the best match between the two shows by a very slim margin over one of the matches we're going to talk about on the, uh, on the night too. But um, I went uh, four and a half plus on this one. I have a new system, Rich. You want to hear about my new system? Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear about your new system. I have incorporated the plus minus system in oh, my match reading. That's an old Larry I, boxing robes. I got uh, it from Larry. Yeah. I got it from Larry. I was just going to give all credit to Larry um, because I'm tired of doing like, you know, every now and then I bust out the four and a third. Right. right which is absurd. And I hate it. Well, because I think it's better than four and a quarter, but not quite four and a half, you know? So I would do like the four and a third, but no, I, I it, I'm not doing that anymore. So when I feel like I'm in between two ratings, I'm just gonna give it a little plus. So I didn't think this was four and three quarters, but I also thought it was a little better than four and a half. So I went four and a half plus. That's my new system. I like it. Rich. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, and then we had uh, Naito versus Shota Aminu, uh, which, uh, what'd you think of this one? <laughs> I thought it fucking sucked. I thought this match was boring as all hell. These fuckers are still going. I think they just ended the match a couple minutes ago. Um, I thought this was a disaster for Aminu. I, I, I thought he looked so out of play. And, and for people that have been watching him for a while, and I know we've watched him for a while, I'm not surprised by it because the guy has always kind of felt like he's missing a step or whatever. Um, and he felt like he's missing that edge or it or whatever you whatever you want to call it. And this, I thought, was a disastrous performance. I, I thought from him to go out there 
and, and he absolutely shit the bed in this match. And I don't know if that was the design that they wanted the match to be. And I don't know if the idea was because because if you watch the English commentary, like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were like, oh, he's probably not ready for the moment. Or that was kind of the story that they told. I don't know if they were just kind of retconning it or, or, or whatnot. But um, I thought this match fucking sucked ass. And then he's botching stuff at the end. I, I thought it was a fucking disaster. I hated this match. Hated it. Hated it. I, I wanted a zombie Antonio Inoki to come out there and, and scream bullshit and get those assholes out of the ring because I thought it was awful. What did you think? I just closed my page. Um, God damn it. Um, I was going to try to pull up the cage match rating for this. See if you could find the grapple rating for this match. Well, I can't log into Grapple right now, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, it tells right, me I need to reset on. my password. And I'm, I, I, I don't receive a reset password. So right, let's uh, do the opposite. I'll look on Grapple. Let's you, do you that. Okay. Up, all right. Let's you see. pull up the cage yeah, match rating for, for this uh, Shota Aminu versus Tetsuya Naito. Did I? No, there it is. Okay. Grapple. There's Will Ospreay giving Mark Andrews a cutter. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got it. Uh, what what do we got on cage match? Uh, Six point one three. All right. So, do you think a that 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 comes out to a little over three? Do you think that's fair? No, I thought it was worse. You than go that. lower. Yeah, lower than three. Yep. What did you rate this match? Uh, two. Two. I thought it sucked. I thought it was terrible. I thought in a main event spot, going thirty minutes or whatever the fuck they went, they went thirty two minutes and eleven seconds. Yeah. No, that that no. You wasted my time. You wasted everybody's time, too. Grapple. They're like, I didn't with, dud this thing. Wow. Grapple with 44 ratings is at 3.05. So basically the same exact rating as Cage Match, right? Because right? that'd come out to 6.1. Um, I went four stars on this. I'm going to be on Lanza Island, I think, because no one else seems to like the match. I thought that, okay, look. I'm perplexed, but go on. I thought it was nasty. Like I, the that way was they nasty. were, the, <laughs> it was, the it way was they, disgusting in a lot of ways. The way they were attacking each other's necks, and I can understand why people thought it was boring because it look, was. Sometimes Naito, the clap crowd a, sounded like it was a cheering crowd. It sounded like a clap crowd again, but that's all right. Yeah, sir, I gave you the. Floor. I'm, sorry, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, go ahead. Ends. You will not allow me to explain my <laughs> shitty my <laughs> shitty rating for this match. <laughs> okay, go on. That doesn't match the consensus. Um, no, look, Naito can get a little long in the tooth with his matches. There's no doubt about it. Okay, we've seen that before. And do I think this was a little too long? I do. Um, did Shota Aminu blow a key spot at the end of the match? He did. Um, I, I don't think it was as big a deal in in the in the greater um you know uh feel for the entire match that he that he dropped him on that first attempt to drop him on his neck. Uh, he went right back to the spot, which one of my least favorite things in wrestling, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, but he in that instance, I f- I feel like he probably felt like he had to because it was such a key move in the match. Um, so yeah, that was a negative as well. But I thought the nastiness that both guys brought to the match, and it was worked in a very vicious way, and they were both trying to break each other's necks. And at the end of it, while I do think it was too long, and I can't call it a great match, I did think it was very good as a total package. Um, I think if they would have cut down on the time a little bit, and you remove the botch, and 
you don't work it in such a methodical manner that it could have been a great match. But um, I'm not afraid to be different. I'm not afraid to to be out on Lanza Island. I, you know, I still thought it was low level notebook material. You know, I was gonna go. 3.75, but then when I noticed everybody else hated it, I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to give it the four. You know why? <laughs> because <laughs> because I'm an asshole like that. That's why. So uh, somewhere between 3.75 and four is where I would w- would have it, though, for real. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I It's one of those matches where I understand why other people thought it sucked, but the nastiness of it and the viciousness of the work, there was that one sequence where Naito – was just drilling Aminu in the side of the neck with those elbows. And and um, I don't know. I'm just really into that kind of nastiness in my wrestling right now. So um, it's a match that I seem to like that nobody else liked. Yeah, I, and I think a part of, partially why I rated it so low and why I hated it so much was more going in with the idea, okay, here's here's a young guy in the biggest moment of his entire career in the main event Let's let's grab this thing by the fucking horns, man. Let's go. Let let's and that's never that's not what Ominu does. And it, it that that's probably I probably hate it more. I probably don't actually think it's like a two star match. You know what I mean? Like just like you don't think it's a four star match, I probably don't think it's a two star match. But to me, it was so tremendously disappointing. And if I'm New Japan for wrestling, I look at this guy and I go, okay, we got to figure out something to do. Because is it him or Naito though? Well, Tetsuya Naito has a, a history of having really fucking great matches, and Shoto Umino is Shoto Umino. So uh, I don't know I'm blaming this one on, on, on Tetsuya Naito. I, I don't know if I'm blaming this you think, okay, on, but on one you of the most think... popular over-wrestlers in New Japan wrestling history. Uh, I'm blaming this on the, the sack of fucking potatoes that, that comes out and never does anything and, and bombed in, in, in RevPro main events and bombed for years in, 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 in England and now has come to New Japan and is bombing here too. Like I'm blaming him. I'm not blaming Naito. So what was your biggest problem with the match? Just that Shota Uno has nothing. He doesn't have it. There's no charisma. There's no energy. There's nothing. It's, you always say see it in the eyes. Yeah. I, 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 I saw that guy live against Jay White and I made direct eye contact with him. And it was like one of these, because he was in the ring and he was doing something. I forget what it was. And he's looking up or whatever. And I'm looking at him. And I was like, hey, he doesn't have it. This guy just does not have it. He just doesn't have it. And he, you can see when he comes out to the ring, he, he walks down the ramp and he waves. That's, that's how he gets into the ring. He waves to the fans. Uh, hey, how's it going? Like, he doesn't have an it. Like, let's fucking go, man. You're in a main event here with Tetsuya Naito in front of a cheering crowd in Sapporo. Let's let's get some energy. Let's get something going. They they can dress him up all they want like Hiroshi Tanahashi. They can make him look like Hiroshi. The fucker's not Hiroshi Tanahashi, all right? Like, he's just not. And, and, and again, we've seen that. For people that only watch New Japan, I see a lot of people saying, oh, give the guy time. All right, you know, it's going to take a little while. All right, well, if you've watched, if only watched New Japan, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's the first time you've seen him in a major spot. For people that watch RevPro, that watch this guy's excursion, nothing on that excursion let me think that, oh, this guy, yeah, he's he's a truth. This guy's going to be something. Okan was. When Okan was leaving RevPro after he was done with his excursion, you were like, that's a guy. That dude, he figured it out on excursion. And he came back to New Japan, and he, he knows it. He's still got it. At no point during the excursion did I think Shoto Umino had it, and now he's back here, and I still don't think he has it. it. It's just that intangible it. He has nothing. He doesn't draw a crowd. The crowd doesn't seem to really give a shit about him on any level whatsoever. He he, there's not, he just doesn't grab moments by the horn. He just he goes out there and just plays pro wrestler, and, and, and that type of stuff, you can see through it immediately, and I can see right through him. I can see a guy that's being a pro wrestler. He looks like a pro wrestler. He dresses like a pro wrestler. But he's not a pro wrestler. He's not it. He doesn't have that it factor that you need to be a top, top level pro wrestler. 
He just doesn't. He's shooter. No, he needs to spend some time with Moxley again, I guess. But uh, yeah, the, the whole aesthetic is is it's like he's shooter and he comes out and you know he's got rrr, 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 and like and then he comes out and he looks like Tanahashi and it's like what what are you what what what, what? well that well well he's got he's got Naito's haircut and and entrance gear now but he still looks like. It's like he's copying Naito and Tanahashi right. and, and Moxley. Right. Well, what she should do is try to be a good wrestler, and then maybe those, those things won't look. But it looks – it just comes across like really tryhardy. And he just – I don't I, – he he is the tip – he is what I represent as like a guy playing pro wrestler. He just doesn't feel it. And like I said, you can see it in those eyes. When you when you lock eyes with a pro wrestler, most of them just go out there and they're like – you know, they're, they're – they, they're in a different world. They're in a different universe. They're performing for you. Umino just feels like a guy who's he's this is what he's doing because this is what he wants to do. You know, I just don't feel that 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 drive from him. He, he just it make me feel something, man. Make this crowd feel something, man. They this match was designed for the crowd to get into Umino. They never at any point got into Umino whatsoever. They were they started they were trying to be polite at the beginning and then they just decided halfway through, fuck it, we're just gonna root for Naito because he's the heel, but he's Naito, so screw it. We're gonna cheer for Naito. Didn't like it, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Don't like Umino, in case you couldn't tell. All right, so you ready to go to uh, night two here, Joe? Yes. Are Let's you ready it. to go to night two? I'm ready. I'm done. All right. So you're, you're finished burying this guy. I'm finished burying him, yeah. yeah. All right. So night two it is. Um, I assume you did not watch the undercard. I uh, did not, no. So I'm looking at it, and what they did was they put a lot of the guys who were in the business end of night one into the undercard of night two. There was really nothing notable other than, once again, they did some stuff with Suzuki, Despi, and Narita, but they kind of like – Narita was kind of warming up a little more to them this time around in the match with Nakashima. Um, and other than that – no, nothing notable that I recall in any of the other undercard matches. The night one also had the singles match with Okan and the German guy, which um, I always, uh, you know, obviously I prefer the singles matches to some of these tags. And um, I don't think night two had any singles it matches. Didn't. No, on the no, no. So, yeah. So there was nothing really else, nothing else um, all that notable to, uh, to talk about on night two, other than the, the, the continuing interactions between Narita and the former Suzuki gun guys. All right. So first off, you have to apologize to run Hiroki Goto because you were convinced that he was going to yes. blow it again. That Bishman, there was no way they could beat your fret douchebag TMDKs. And they did. Yeah. Bishman, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi retained the tag team titles over TMDK. I got to admit, I was kind of surprised too because they, they they give TMDK, obviously they, they bring you know Saber in there, they add Fujita, they get new music, they get new shirts, and you're like, all right, well, there's no way they're going to do all this sort of stuff and then not have them win the titles. And then Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi just beat them. I, I, was, I was very surprised by this as well. Yeah, and I thought it was a great match. So um, very surprised by the outcome. Thought for sure that Goto and Yoshihashi would lose here and they would establish the the new unit with some with some championship belts. And that's not what they did. I kind of like it. You know, it's um maybe this team will have some legs. I keep thinking that they're gonna lose these matches and they keep winning them. So um, you know, uh maybe maybe we'll have some tag team champions that have a long, substantial reign um, in the case of this team. Who knows? But uh, I thought it was a really good match, too. This hit the notebook, too. I had um, 
I guess six total matches between these two shows that, uh, that went in the old notebook. So, um, I had this one at, uh, four plus and I thought the work was, uh, was very good. And I think that Yoshihashi is a guy who very, very clearly is best suited in tag teams. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is it. If if this is what the rest of his career is, they figured it out with him. This is perfect. Yeah. This is his role. I mean, he was in that really fun tag team with Tomohiro Ishii. He was uh, a good tag. He was a good pin eater for Kazuchika Okada in in what felt like a million years ago, but was probably like 2013. And now he's got this team with Goto. He was one third of the best trios champions that the company ever had. So um, he he's uh, a below average singles wrestler in this company, but he's a a very very good tag team wrestler. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, everything you said there, I, I I totally agree with. I thought it was a really, really good tag match. And yeah, Goto and Yoshiashi. It's, it's a really cool team. It's it's probably the best role for both those guys uh, at this point in their career. But uh, yeah, I was a little surprised by the result. But uh, yeah, a really, really good match. Uh, New Japan World TV title match here. Zack Sabre Jr. defending the title against Tomohiro Ishii. I went 14 minutes and 38 seconds right under the gun. They have 15-minute time limits for these matches. Uh, I went notebook on this one. I thought it was really good. I, I probably went in with higher expectations, and it was good. I like. I, I think these guys have had better matches, and they'll have better matches in the future, but I still thought this was really, really, really good. Uh, definitely something to go out of your way to check out. But uh, yeah, Sabre gets the win, retains the title. So I guess that's the representation of the of the stable is is, is him at least having the title. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this was was good, but uh, not not great. Oh, I thought it was great. I went four and a quarter. I I thought this kicked ass. Um, I, I it's weird though because you know it was this was meant for young guys, and even Zack Sabre Jr. references that in his promos. You know, he talks about how. Um, this is supposed to be a young man's title and for them to come and get it and all that. And meanwhile, he wins the tournament and his first defense is against a guy who's like 45. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, what the deal is with that. I don't know. I, you know, I thought they would have Ren Narita chase him and that's not what they're doing. Like they're, they're, they're not even hinting at that direction whatsoever. Both guys have just, they had their wrestle kingdom match and now they're just off on their own paths. And so I, I don't know. Now, Saber keeps talking about and taunting with the idea that, you know, he's not a young guy and he's going to hold this thing and the young guys can't beat him. He keeps saying shit like that in his promos. Um, This is something I was thinking about, and this probably isn't what they're going to do, but is this Kosei Fujita thing maybe just a ruse and, like, Fujita's going to turn on him and challenge him for this title? I don't and- see that. I, I just – yeah, I don't see that right now. I mean, maybe may, – because he – like you said, all the, the – Sabre's just constantly hitting in, like the young guys, young guys, young guys, young yeah. guys, young guys thing. I feel like that should be for Narita. That seems like the spot for Narita, but like you said, he's not really doing that right now. So I, yeah, maybe maybe the Fujita's just like a uh, – I don't I, – I just don't see it, though. I, I, it seems like they want him to be like kind of the young lion on, on that team, the pin eater on, on, in tag matches and whatnot. So I can't really see it. But, yeah, this this title doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. It just feels like another never open way title at this point. And it's like, I don't know if that was really the goal. And I mean, I love the 15 minute time limit. I love the idea behind the title. But, yeah, let, let's let's maybe get in on some younger guys here or get some younger for guys those in the of, mix at least. Yeah. And for those of you who don't sub, remember, all these matches are free. So you could just log into New Japan Worlds without a lot. Well, you don't have to log in. You could just fucking. Yeah, just go to YouTube. How would you say it? Just, yeah, just go on, yeah. go on to New Japan World, and then it's there. So yeah, and you know you can watch all these um, TV title matches, you know, without having a sub. So in this one, I thought 
uh, was really good. But um, it's just I'm, I'm, you know, I, you know, I ultimately, I don't think they'll do the Fujita thing either. It's just something. I mean, I'm just trying to think of any angle, right, as as to where we're going with this, you know. And I know people in the chat are saying he's facing Clark Connors and at the, but you know, Connors isn't. I don't think Connors is going to beat him. Um, so that just seems like a convenient defense for America, you know, and that should be a really good match. Um, but I don't know. It's just really weird how they're just not doing what this title was intended for at all. You know, it would make more sense if Saber was in a feud with a young guy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's just really weird that his first defense is against a 45 year old guy. All right, and then uh, we had the uh, junior heavyweight title match, Hiromu versus Yo. I thought this was good. Uh, I thought Yo looked really good here. Uh, he's a guy that that has been prone to kind of the, the stuff that I've been annoyed about Umino with, where it doesn't feel like he, he really grasps uh, big moments. I, I thought he did pretty good here. Uh, he's not like he's never going to be like a top top tier guy and never be a top top junior. He's never going to be a main eventer. But uh, I thought this was a good little, you know, he's a main event here. So I'll give him a little credit there. But I thought this was good. Uh, not not great. That's kind of the same way. I, I like to. I mean, I like Saber and Ishii a lot more than I like this match. But uh, I don't know. I'm probably I don't know four flat uh, on, on the, the, the Hiromu and Yo, maybe three and three quarters. You know, you know what, Joe? I'm three and three quarters plus on this match. How about that? Right. Ah. Right. In between. It works because it's not that bad, but it's not a four. It's right in between there. So there you go. But uh, what do you think of this one? I thought it was good, but not not spectacular. I thought it was great in the best match of Yo's career. Really? So, okay. I, did, I did think Yo's performance was awesome. I, I'm i kind of down on Hiromu, so I think that probably clouds it a little bit. But I, I, I'm i with you that I think it was Yo's best performance ever. I thought Yo was outstanding in this match. and He just felt I like went, he belonged for the first time in, in ever. This was a true main event that lived up to being in the main event. It was a really great match. And I thought that Yo, in particular, was great. And I thought this was just barely below the Osprey Taichi match for best match of the entire weekend for them or whatever days these, these shows were. Um, so, yeah, I had it at four and a half. And, um, you know, I haven't been super into Hiromu over the last year, year and a half either. Uh, but really, this was more about Yo than Hiromu anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he had a a really good Super Junior Tag League tour, too, in terms of oh, yeah, he was great performance. There. Yeah, I, I thought that, I, you know, after that, I was like, you know what? His his role is probably just back in a tag team again. That's probably the best thing. But then you see this match, and you're like, I don't know, maybe, you know? Maybe. Yeah, so he's been he's been good lately, and this was a really great match, and you know, New Japan, I, I I firmly believe that that they're back. I mean, you know, Wrestle Kingdom was great. There were six great matches to me on these two shows. I think that the um we've got the new beginning in Osaka coming up. And, you know, I think Okada and Shingo obviously are gonna tear the house down. And some of the other stuff on that show doesn't look super great. I guess we could just talk about that, right? Yeah, so let, let's go to it. Yeah, it's new beginning in Osaka uh, coming up this weekend. So we've got Okada and Shingo. And then obviously what they're saying is, you know, the winner of that is going to uh, face somebody at Battle in the Valley. And it's going to be Okada. Okada's not losing the Shingo here. Um, Tamatanga versus Phantasmo for the, that, you know, that's a sleeper match. You know, that's really, I'm more confident in Phantasmo in that match, to be honest, because Tamatanga is the guy who's kind of inconsistent. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Um, 
the loser leave town match is gonna between Jay White and Hikaleo. I mean, that has some intrigue because there. I mean, you know, look, I, I think ultimately Hikaleo is gonna lose that, and I think Jay White's just playing this game again where he feeds it to the media that you know his contract's coming up, and I don't think it is. But there's still that sliver of doubt, right? So there, there's some intrigue with that. Well, match and the, and there's else. also there's also the caveat of loser leaves Japan, which might mean different things. You know, what I mean, because because White yes. is wrestling in America at Battle in the Valley. So is it a possibility that he just says, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of going to Japan. But if you guys are going to do enough shows in America over the next couple of years, I'll just be American exclusive. Like, you know, what I mean, like there, there, there's a distinct possibility of that, too. People think that it's like loser leaves New Japan for wrestling and New joins Japan. WWE. Like yeah. that's not exactly loser leaves Japan is a little different. You know what I mean? There's a way. There's a way that you can get around that too if you're Jay White and just say, you and know they what? Both and they both live in America. Right, right, right. So it could, like you're saying, it could be Jay White just doesn't want to come to Japan anymore, or or they want to build the American tours around some stars here. And you're absolutely right. That's that could be what people are missing, and. You know, it could be kind of like a little out that New Japan had because it, it's not loser leaves New Japan. No, you're right about that. It's loser leaves Japan. Yeah, not loser leaves the company. So, you know, there's only this company. There's only room for one of us. It's loser leaves Japan, which I think is an interesting, interesting little caveat they put in there. So don't be so surprised if if Jay White loses and everybody loses their goddamn mind, and then yeah, he's just that battle in the valley, and like you know, in a couple, yeah, in a week later, and it's like, all right, and then cuts a promo and says, right. you know. I'm not going back to Japan. I didn't want to go anyway, but I'm going to be here. Yeah. And just does his fucking gimmick here. And it's just funny how, you know, it's like, it kind of raised our eyebrow that these stories conveniently got leaked to the media that both of these guys, like one, Oh, WWE showing interest in this guy. And Oh, this other guy is contrast coming due. And you know, it's like, you know, it's just very interesting that, both of those stories got leaked around the same it time is. and then they is, announced this loser leave Japan thing. And, uh, but I don't know, you know, we'll see. And then um, we've got the uh, six man titles. Eva, would you have been able to name this? The <laughs> Hell no. Six man champions. If <laughs> Hell I no. asked you, like, even if they give you a minute to think about it, you wouldn't have been able to. All right. So it's evil. Yujiro and show. And they're facing Minoru Suzuki, Despi and Renderita. Uh, as I said, they were very uneasy with one another in Sapporo, but Narita began to come around a little bit in the second match, and we'll see if they're still doing the uneasy partner deal in this match in Osaka. Um, Tanahashi versus Kenta. They fucking killed each other at Wrestle Kingdom last yeah, year. Yeah, I just hope they don't get hurt again. <laughs> like, just I want to see these guys wrestle for their whole year. So, yeah, please don't kill well, each other. Well, you know, Kenta's got a big match against Fred Rosser at uh, Hell yeah, he does. a strong open weight title. He better be healthy. Yeah, so Rosser took care of business against Pretty Peter Avalon and then called the Kenta out. And uh, that's a real thing that happened, by the way, taking care of business against Pretty <laughs> right, Peter yeah, Avalon. Not, uh, nothing was made <laughs> up. Nothing false there. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he called Fred Kenta Rosser, out. the unsung hero of New Japan's American wrestling promotion. Yeah, I mean, that guy, they better book him in Japan this year. He's earned it. Um, Master Wato versus Taiji Ishimori, and uh, just a singles match, Rich. Just like Tanahashi, just straight Kenta. up, We're yeah, just, just straight up. Let's wrestle. Yeah, I love. Gonna have some fucking matches here, you know. Where's the story? Um, Tomo Akihama, Shota Minu, Tiger Mask, and Taguchi versus Naito, Sonata, Hiromu, and Bushi, and then uh, Yano and uh, and the German against Great Okan and and Hanare. So, and then Battle in the Valley's coming up. 
And uh, that's not till next week. We'll find out, presumably, who the world's heavyweight. Who can that be? I mean, um, is there any? I haven't really been paying attention. I haven't really either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if it's somebody in in New Japan that they're just going to announce and they just don't want to do it yet. Or if it's somebody, a a random name. I don't know. It's it's. It's interesting that it's still TBA. So I don't know. I, there's a lot of ways it can go. It could also just be a guy that walks out, <clears throat> you know, after Okada and Shingo on, on Nubia and Osaka, and it's just like, oh, okay, it's, you know, Tanahashi or whatever. You know, it's possible. That, or it's, oh, it's Kenta. You, you know, it's like, they, or not, it's not going to be Kenta. He's in the strong open weight. So I don't know. Quick, Rich, who are the strong open weight tag team champions? The, the third set of tag team titles in New Japan? Open weight tag team champions in the Motor City Machine Guns. And they will defend against Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs of Team Filthy. Uh, the West Coast? Uh, what are they? The West Coast? Um, Wrecking Crew. Yeah, so it's West Coast versus Mich- uh, Detroit. I like it, you know? Yeah. Coglin versus Kratos on the pre-show. David Finley versus Bobby Fish. That could be really good. Uh, of course, Kyrie versus Money. And then Ross Arkenta, which we talked about. Uh, Jay White, Eddie Kingston. Uh, filthy Rules. Tom Waller versus Homicide. Who did Tom Lawler face in MLW under the Filthy Rules on Filthy Island? Remember that? Oh, yeah, that rocked. Yeah, who was that? On Filthy Island. <laughs> I can't remember who the opponent was. I don't remember either. But uh, then we have uh, Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, um, Adrian Quest, a.k.a. Young Fuego, and Rocky Romero versus Kushida, Volador Jr., Kevin Knight, and the DKC. You know, Kushida and Kevin Knight have been having – Good little tag team matches on impact over the last month. Or oh, they're so. a good team. Yeah, they're a fun team. Yeah. And then uh, we talked about Zack Sabre Jr. versus Clark Connors. Battle in the Valley looks really good. That looks the like thing a hell about of a that show. Is with New Japan Strong switching format. If you don't want to shell out the 30 bucks or whatever, this is going to be, they're going to break up this show into episodes of New Japan Strong. So if you don't mind watching on a few week delay, if you have a New Japan World subscription, you'll be able to watch this show over the course of like a month, right? So, or you can pay nine ninety nine yen, and in effect purchase Battle in the Valley, right? Because, but you'll be getting the show on a, a several week delay, right? Right? Up right? Little it, as long as you have patience. I mean, obviously, you should you should stream it on VoicesWrestling.com slash fight. Of uh, course, is, is what I would do personally. But uh, yeah, if you if you for some reason, cannot. Yeah, you will be able to get it on on, on New Japan Strong over the course of, of, of a couple weeks. So, options. Yeah. So, um, quick little plug behind the paywall. $10 tier. I did a review roulette. I reviewed the uh, final New Japan Strong under the old format, which, of course, had the Fred Rosser, Pretty Peter Avalon main event. Um, I reviewed the live NWA Power, which leads into our next and final segment of this show. And I also, what else did I review on that? Oh, MLW Underground's yep. debut. So you get an in-depth review of that as well. That article has to be two, 3,000 words, right? I wrote a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. Again, so, they're not like extensive, like this match happened and that match happened, that match happened. They're more about, you know, bigger picture stuff, picture. you know, yeah, yeah, narrative driven, you know, articles as opposed to reviews of, and then this match happened and this match was ended by this and I gave it two stars. Like that's not, yeah, it's more. About- then he did a sunset flip and he kicked out it too. Then he did an arm bar. I just think, look, there's nothing wrong with those kind of reviews. I just think um, I like to do something a little different. And I think quite honestly, um, it's more interesting um, to talk about bigger picture topics and um, uh, uh, wider narrative um, 
talking points when when reviewing these shows. So that's the way I approach them. I do the review roulettes maybe a couple times a month, and I it, it's like the title implies. It's just random television shows that I'll review. It's never set, you know, which shows I'm going to do. I was on a rampage kick for a while, but then I stopped doing those, uh, stopped including those. And this time, you know, this had a theme. It was the end of New Japan Strong, and it was the beginning for MLW Underground and the new beginning for NWA Power doing their first live power. So um, that's up on the $10 tier right now, and that's a good transition into NWA Nuff Said. Yes. Um, also on VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight uh, this weekend, and you are going to get the bang for your buck on that. You're going to get four pre-show matches. Well, you're not going to get those. Uh, I don't know when those are airing or if they are airing, but you're going to get nine matches on the main show on NWA Nuff Said. Are the pre-show matches showing? Who cares? They you're do gonna, a pre-show on oh, YouTube. Okay, well, then there you go. So you can watch that. You can watch the four pre-show matches on YouTube. And then at voicesofwrestling.com slash fight, you get the nine matches on the main show. All the titles are on the line. Uh, NWA, enough said. So the pre-show matches very, very quickly. Uh, Missa Kate versus La Rosa Negra. Uh, Dak Draper and Matthew Mims versus Jack Stane and Blake Bulletproof Troop, <laughs> uh, Mercurio, one of your favorites, uh, and Nat- uh, Natalia Markova uh, versus Genocide and Max the Impaler, and then Odinson versus Joe Alonzo is what's going to get you hyped up and ready to go for NWA. Enough said. I hope they are they do they bark? Do they do barking on that where they're like, you gotta work almost out of time, yes, you gotta do. order the pay per view? <laughs> like, in, in as fact, Odinson and Joe yeah. Alonzo are going, Ugh. Like just clubbing each other. You gotta get out here. <laughs> it's only ten minutes to order. In fact, they do. Incredible. And God, I'm glad. Sometimes Billy himself at Billy will do a hard sell at the end. Um, Joe Alonzo, I believe, signed an NWA deal. Okay. So um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, only not only nine matches on the pay-per-view. <laughs> Normally there's like 14. I mean, they you know, but yeah. um um, so we've got pretty empowered against the renegade twins, the renegade twins. I like them. They've been on dynamite a few times or, or a W a few times, not necessarily dynamite. I think they were on rampage a couple weeks ago. Uh, they work the YouTube shows. Uh, they've got something. They got a cool they're, look. They're, yeah. If you've never seen them, they got a cool look. I like pretty empowered. I'm actually excited about this match in a weird way. Like I never like the hex. I'm so glad I don't have to watch the hex this month. Like, I just never want to watch the hex again, but uh, I am I am down for uh, Renegade Twins. Yeah, the Renegade Twins look like they have a really really cool look, and and I like pretty. And they're empowered, not bad. So. They're they're not bad. Yeah, they're, they're tall. They're, they're, yeah, they, 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 you know, they're not twins though. Like they don't they don't even they look don't alike. even look like twins. No, they got to be not. fraternal twins, right? They can't be. What do you call that when they're non-identical? Was that fraternal? They call that? Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Whatever the fuck, they're not identical twins for sure. No, that, no, no. Uh, La Rebellion defends against blunt force trauma, carnage and damage. <laughs> this is actually yeah, um, you don't know if you could if you didn't know who if if I just told you there's somebody listening and if I, I if I said okay at the NWA pay per view this weekend there's a team called Blunt Force Trauma and it's Carnage and Damage. Who are Carnage and who are Damage? You don't have to know which one's Carnage and which one's Damage. Just give me two names that you think Carnage and Damage are. I honestly think if I gave somebody 200 hours they wouldn't get to these two men right well i mean you you would 
I think you would run through everyone on the roster first and you would get to them eventually, right? Because they were guys well, that, that were would already on the roster. First imply that you know who's on the NWA roster. So I guess you're right that if you are an, an ardent NWA fan, you would eventually find these guys, get to these guys. I the one of them is pretty tough, but if you're an at, if you know at Billy, you know that this guy's getting a job. Uh, no matter what, well, it was only a matter of time until he got a job. So well, he was, yeah. I mean, you know, they're, well, they're, they're, it's it's Marche Rocket and Rodney Mack doing the Doom gimmick. Yes. So they wear the black tights. They wear the black mask. It's all. It's very minimal. It's minimalist, and it's very much. It's very. It's a very obvious ripoff of Doom. You know, Ron Simmons and and uh, and Butch Reed. So look, it's better than what Rodney Mack was doing before as the as the question mark two or whatever. That that feud was abysmal. Um it was, you know, so I will say this about the latest season of NWA Power since the it's been perfectly fine. The previous season leading into the last pay-per-view was awful. It was some of the worst wrestling television you'll ever see in your life. This season of NWA Power was perfectly competent, boring pro wrestling. The best comp I could give you, Rich, it was like TNA slash Impact at its most boring times, if that makes any sense. Of course, yeah. That's what the latest season of NWA Power was. It was just a uh, very boring pro wrestling show with a bunch of with a bunch of very boring pro wrestlers. But it had way less of the cringy, embarrassing, I hope nobody walks in the room aspects that the previous season of the NWA had. So from that standpoint, um, you know, it, it, it was better than the previous season. And these seasons tend to vary wildly. So who knows what's coming next after this pay-per-view uh, Thomas Latimer versus fodder in a Singapore cane match. They did a big angle. <laughs> Who's fodder. The, uh, <laughs> I admit, I have no idea who fodder is. He's uh, I don't know who like, I mean, he's fodder. I don't know. He's been here for a couple seasons now. He's he's uh, been feuding with Tom Latimer. Do you mean who he has he been in the past? Is that what you mean? I guess, yeah. Like, how, how would I know fodder? Um, well, pull him up on the old cage I, match. He I don't, doesn't have one, which is why I'm asking you. He, that's the problem. I don't know. He's just there's like a, a few guys. Guy. There's a few guys on the show that I don't think have cage matches. They, they definitely don't have Wikipedia pages. Fodder might have a a, a cage match. I, I I don't want to uh, besmirch one fodder. Did you try but, looking him up or what? Let's see. Fodder. Psycho Boy Fodder. All right. Um, yeah, there you go. He's got 43 matches to his name. Uh, he debuted in May of 2021 with Free the Narrative. Okay, great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that is fodder. Yeah. Got it. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think he was anyone. He's, he's just like a white fodder. guy. He's, yeah, just, he's just fodder. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's just been here. I know him from here, Rich. Okay, I, don't I wasn't know sure if I was supposed to know who fodder was, but fodder's no, just fodder. No, I just, I just know him from the National Wrestling Alliance. That's where I know him from. Um, you know these men, EC3 versus Kevin Kylie oh, will be on, enough said. So for you that do not know, that's one Alex Riley, if you're wondering. Who's Kevin yeah. Kylie? That's that's Alex Riley. Um, that's right. Yeah. Why is it Alex Riley? I don't know. I can't answer that for you, but it's Alex well, Riley. Well, a better question is why not? A better question <laughs> is why not? I, I don't, yeah, you're right. Why not? Yeah, um, true. Chris, Adon- Chris Adonis versus Trevor Murdoch. Uh, possibly match of the night when all is said and done. Um. You think we could hit three and a half? Uh, Chris Adonis and Trevor Murdoch. Yeah. Give me a ceiling and a floor. A ceiling is three and a half. A floor is like 
three. You know, and, that, that, and that's what you, you know what? That's the good, good aspect about this match is that there's no way it's going to be bad and it might be okay. And that's so pretty the, good for the NWA. It gets the Meltzer, two pros having it. What do you yeah, say two about professional wrestlers having a professional wrestling match? Yeah. So, yeah. So for Jericho and Randy Orton or whatever it was, yeah. um, Camille against Angelina Love. Oh. So Camille, Camille's got her work cut out for her. Oh. <laughs> um, now it is no DQ. So oh, okay. shortcuts, you know, will be happening, which will help Angelina Love. Uh, Kerry Morton versus Alex Taylor for the junior title. Kerry Morton's coming along nicely in the uh, NWA. Scion oh, defends the homicide national- is usually my go-to when I when I when you were saying is this going to be the match of the night? I was like, well, no, homicides. No, not on this night. No, not against Scion. Every other match, you go ah, oh, or make <laughs> some sort of noise. It's the NWA. <laughs> Tyrus defends the Ugh. NWA world title <laughs> <laughs> against Matt Cardona. No one allowed at ringside. I'm so. sure that won't be broken at all, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure the heels won't get heat by uh, ruining that stipulation. Well, so, since they're both heels, there's a <laughs> massive possibility of heels coming down to uh, interject themselves in this one. Um. Look, the two, the, the live power and the go home show were perfectly acceptable, if not unspectacular pro wrestling shows. Uh, much better season than last season. Much better build to these matches than the matches to the last pay per view. And Rich, I have good news for you. You get to review this next week as well. I can't so wait. Can't wait. Strap in. No, I always I, like, will st- I always say I always come back from these. I, I might groan at every time you mention the names. I always say when I'm done watching an NWA pay-per-view, I never feel cheated because they're like, they're fine. You know what I mean? Like I know what I'm gonna get, and it's gonna be kind of goofy and it's not gonna be that good, but it's fine. Like it's 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 perfectly acceptable pro. I'm very rarely bored by when I watch the NWA. It's like fine i don't maybe it's just because it's so funny or it's so bad it's funny but yeah i always come on these and i always kind of review them pretty well like like ec3 and alex riley is going to be an absolute fucking disaster and at least it'll be something to talk about so you there were a couple pay-per-views where you struggled hard and you were very bored uh that's true but yeah you know because some of them had like 14 15 matches <laughs> it does get a little long in the toot sometimes but you know this one i think will be a little tighter um, especially if you skip the pre-show, which I will not be doing. I'll be locked in, of course, to the uh, to the pre-show. Um, yeah. Now, this is twenty nine or twenty four ninety nine on Fight, so twenty five bucks as a season pass subscriber, Rich, which I am, of course. <laughs> of course yeah. <laughs> um, you no longer get the television shows, but they are honoring if you if if someone listening, if any if anyone listening is a season pass <laughs> subscriber. Okay. Of which I'm sure dozens and, and upon dozens are. As I am. Then they are honoring that through your original subscription date. So I don't have to pay for this. And I don't have to pay for any of these pay-per-views through August. So however many pay-per-views Fantastic they have through news. August. Yeah, they're still going to honor that because I re-upped in August or whatever. My thing re-ups. But um, so don't like double pay if you're a season pass. Check it and make sure... Because they, they are, you know, you should have gotten an email, but they are going to honor those subscriptions, at least for the pay-per-views, um, through your subscription date. Mine happens to be, like, August 31st or something like that. So, um, 
it's interesting that they've moved away from fight. I think what they realized, Rich, was they probably looked at the bundle, the people who purchased the bundle, like me, and then looked at when these pay-per-views came around, how few pay-per-view, how you know, the, the low number of pay-per-view buys they were getting outside of the bundles and were probably thinking to themselves, we're giving all of these people, these hardcores who are going to buy the pay-per-views, we're giving them six, five or six pay-per-views <laughs> a year for $50. Right. No one else is buying them. So why are we doing this? Because these people will very likely buy most, if not all, of these shows anyway. Right. We're, we're, we're letting our hardcore – we're not getting as much as we can get out of our hardcores in terms of money, and we're not growing at all because nobody is, nobody is finding us and nobody's discovering us. Right. Because if the pay-per-views were doing well outside of the bundle, they wouldn't be killing the bundle. You know? And, you know, they moved all their TV shows – all the first run episodes of their TV shows back to YouTube for, for free. I mean, they were all there anyway, just on a couple day delay, but the value in the bundle was in the pay-per-views. Cause you, you could pay $50. Like I know we're going to review all these and I buy them all. So the bundle is a great deal because I'm getting five or six pay-per-views for 50 bucks instead of paying $25 each. So I think what they realized was, well, the people buying the bundle are the people most likely to buy more than one pay-per-view a year. Right, so why right, are, right. Yeah. Why are we giving those people you know, a, a, a fantastic everything deal for $50? Right. Yeah. With, you know, so, you know, I, I think that was the mindset behind killing the bundle and putting the TV back on YouTube. So either way, whether my read on it is right or wrong, clearly, that model wasn't a success in some way. So otherwise they would have kept doing it. Right, but, right. The, the clearest evidence of that is the fact that they're not doing they're it not anymore. Doing it. <laughs> yeah, that they've changed yeah. and they're not doing it anymore. So uh, that means so. they were not making money. So there you go. That is NWA Nuff Said. Voices of Wrestling.com slash fight. Uh, if you want to order that show this weekend, we will be locked in, as you said, uh, and review it, of course. Uh, next week on the flagship and that is it for us so make sure you subscribe to us on patreon patreon.com slash voices of wrestling voices of wrestling.com slash patreon uh, flagship patreon.com as well plenty of great great stuff going on there good audio good written content a lot of content just an insane amount of content for your value of, of five or ten dollars uh, a month as we did mention for the big game slash super bowl because we could say the super bowl uh, promo code vow uh, on DraftKings gets you some nice deals 200 and bonus bets also five dollars for free as well uh so you get some some good good bonuses there with promo code vow so that is that uh voice wrestling.com slash discord as well uh and also voices for previews reviews columns all that other good stuff so all right so that is it for us that is joe i'm rich we will talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.